This is the Remembrancer vessel, Vox Castian, and we are in dire need of assistance. Our ship has been attacked by unknown assailants who bear Imperial markings and clouds. Coordinates are as follows. 6, 9, 2, break. 1, 3, 8, break. 2, 1, 7, 4. Dan Dragon Sector, Segmentium Tempestus. We are being attacked by unknown assailants. They bear Imperial markings. Please help us. We are remembrance of the vessel. We are a remembrance of the vessel. The Emperor protects. This message shall repeat. The Emperor protects. This message shall repeat. Welcome to the Galaxy in Flames podcast. Why, hello there, and welcome to the Galaxy in Flames podcast. I'm Steve Saunders, and... Uh, I'm your co-host, Simon Berman, and uh, we are joined by a very special, uh, well, actually our very first guest ever, uh, the one and only Dave Taylor. Dave, thanks for joining us. How's it going, guys? Good, man. (laughs) I think you and I have spoken on my Brushboard Union podcast many times, but it'll be fun to kind of have some a little more freeform this time. Yep, and uh, and talk about heresy. Yeah, I know you're you're a big Death Guard guy. (laughs) Oh, sorry. No, No, it's going to be great. Looking forward to it. Cool, yeah, and uh, there's some stuff we, we want to have you on specifically to talk about kind of army theming and planning and stuff, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later in a, in a segment later on, but we want to have you on to hear your opinions on all things heresy uh, in the meantime. Sure thing. No, that sounds good. Cool. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is welcome to our October podcast. I think we're kind of getting onto a schedule now, so we're recording in September, so probably we're going to make some suggestions and, uh, or not suggestions, predictions that will be proven to be horribly wrong, but we'll... We'll talk as if we know what we're talking about in the meantime. Yep. Oh. Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes, how's everybody been doing, uh, Steve? What's going on up in, in Canada? Well, well, it's it's Canada. Uh, it's getting a little chillier, but we are in the Miami of Canada, so it's not that chilly. Um, Is that what going... they call Victoria? Yeah, it's a bunch of old people, and uh, it's quaint. It's a quaint city, and we have the best weather in Canada. So it's the warmest place in Canada. Right. So we're like the Hawaii, Miami, all rolled in one. It's great. Except it still gets like below freezing in the winter. Rarely. Rarely, but it does. It actually gets <laughs> it's, it's warmer. It's warmer than Seattle in the winter. Yeah, I've read that. That's wild. Because yeah, we're on a peninsula on an island, so. Yeah, so I'm, I'm in Tacoma, which is only, we can't be more than, what, like, 75 miles south? Not even. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, about 75 miles south. Yeah, yeah, like, 75, but, yeah, but there's... The, mic- yeah. the microclimates are crazy in the northwest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Dave, you're coming to us from uh, from Baltimore, right? From uh, sunny Baltimore, yeah. Yep. How, how have you been? You were, you, being in Baltimore, you were at the Nova Open a couple weeks ago, right? That's true. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, definitely um, a cool event. Uh folks who don't know, uh, Nova Open's probably the largest uh, sort of sci-fi fantasy uh, wargaming convention on the East Coast. Um, I think this year they had 3,100 oh, wow. uh, attendees. Wow, I didn't like know it was that big. I thought it was like 2,000. That's great. Yeah, no, it's been uh, been growing steadily. It's been running for, uh, what is it now, 14 years? 
Yeah. Um, take take out a couple for COVID, but uh, yeah, it's um been going well. Been building. Uh, this year they moved to a new uh, location in DC. Um, previously they were just a little bit south um, across the Potomac River, but uh, new venue was fantastic. Uh, loads of space. Um, so they were able to handle the, the growth in attendees that they had. Um, I was there running the judging team for the Capital Palette painting competition. Uh, we had over 660 entries this wow. year. Uh, with So that's probably, I think I was saying to you earlier, Simon, that it's a growth of about 60%. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah, we're really, really excited about it. We've got... Um, We've got a good judging team in place. We've got uh, Vince Venturella, Dan Osborne, uh, Will Hahn, Sam Lenz, uh, Eric Swinson, and our guest judge this year was uh, Chistof Kobczyk from uh, Poland. Oh, very cool. That's a great set of judges. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely uh, super cool. So, um, yeah, it was awesome to, to sort of be there and see, uh, see everybody and hang out and I got a chance to do some painting as well, so... Oh, nice. Very nice. Very cool. Which I, <clears throat> I feel bad. I should have, I should have given um, your, your bona fides a little bit more, but uh, for people who don't know who are listening, Dave is uh, Dave owns and runs Dave Taylor Miniatures, which is a great publisher making some very cool um, art books collecting miniatures painting, um, some hobby terrain books like uh, The Terrain Tutor, um, and, of course, his own book, Armies, Legions, and Hordes, which is kind of what kicked off your whole publishing thing. But even before that... Dave has been in the industry forever, um, and uh, he was a former editor-in-chief of White Dwarf Magazine and then War Games Illustrated. So uh, here's a man who knows a thing or two about miniatures gaming. I started in the business before some of you were even born. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> um, me feel super old. But anyway, it's true. <laughs> no, you, you've, you've done so many cool things over the years, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to hear you You know, just talk about the hobby on a more personal level for a change. Or something. Sure. Yeah. I... Uh... I might be a giant Warhammer nerd, but the uh, I, I saw Dave Taylor. I'm like, from War Games Illustrated. Shit. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm a lot older than I look. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. That's uh, no, that's super cool. Yeah, I did uh, spent five years working on War Games Illustrated. Oh, excellent. Uh, which was really cool. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, I'm a big fan of. Um, I say a big fan, but I, I'm interested in. Uh, history uh but i've got a very good um breadth of knowledge about history uh, and my depth of knowledge in a lot of different areas is probably a little bit lacking so working on a magazine like wargames illustrated it gave me the opportunity to um know what was being talked about and ask mm -hmm. good questions to find out more about um what was going on in a particular sort of time period or battle or yeah. what have you yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, and I should say, you know, um, in the show notes, just for some shameless self-promotion for both of us, uh, if you want to hear more about Dave, I'm going to link the uh, original interview that Dave did with Brushwater Union, which is just a focus on him and his career and some of his other projects, his other uh, podcast episodes. So just go listen to those if you want to get more Dave Taylor. But, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very cool. It's And you're, now you're doing the, the, the painting competition at Novo. And that, is it the second year you've done that? Um, no, that's, uh, when did I start working on that one? Um, probably, I think 2015. Oh, you have been doing that for a while, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, back in the day, it was, uh, it would be myself and, uh, two other, 
uh, painters would um, sort of do the judging for it. Uh, and we got to a point where I think we had a year where it was myself, Roman Lapart from Germany, and uh, James Waffle, where we started judging around 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m., and we didn't finish until 4.30 a.m. Jesus. Uh, so <laughs> we didn't want that to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be up until 4.30. Uh, but uh, what we do now is we have those, uh, as, as I mentioned, we had six judges this year. There's three teams of two, um, which means we can break things down into those divisions and uh, everybody can just focus on a particular sort of uh, setting that we have there. Um, the painting competition, just quickly, is a, it's an open format painting competition. Uh -huh. So uh, you... It isn't like um, something like Golden Demon, where there is eight, like one first, one second, one third, right? Like podium format. Uh, but the open format means that you could have five people get a gold, or it might be that in that category nobody's up to that gold standard just yet. Yeah. Um, but the great thing that it allows you to do, particularly when we're able to keep a judging team um, rolling, sort of the same judging team year after year after year, uh, we can help people through their journey um, to becoming a like a masterclass display painter uh, so if you come along and you get a finalist pin in journeyman next year when you come back you should be shooting for a bronze mm -hmm. bronze then onto silver then gold uh, and once you win a gold in a particular division we're ready to ask you to move up to the next division where the yeah. next year or two you might not win a prize sure as long as you're talking to the judges getting that feedback looking at how you can keep progressing with your painting yeah yeah Definitely. no it's, it's that's very cool i like how accessible that is because you know um it's so daunting to enter a competition where you know a total of three people in each category maybe are going to get any feedback whatsoever and everybody else either just doesn't make the cut or they're in that top three i, I think it's really cool that you can sort of you know grow with the competition like that yeah, it is. It is really nice. It's the um, it's the format that's used in um, most of the sort of almost all of the European painting competitions, uh -huh. uh, and it's used in a lot of um, sort of scale modeling competitions as well. Uh, kind of approach. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the scale modelers have a lot to sort of teach the miniatures <laughs> wargaming painting world, but it's it's sort of a, a just walled gardens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is that. <laughs> yep. Not even wall. There's, there's no walls. You know, it's just like stopping anybody from from you know uh, checking each other out. It just, it just doesn't happen very much. That's, that's interesting. We, we have one. We have wonderful imaginations, so we can certainly imagine those walls. But yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. There's no need for them to be there at all. Yeah, I've anyway. always uh, I, I've always wondered why. Um, like I I've always been into scale modeling and miniatures, so I don't miniature wargaming. So I don't understand why those are mutually exclusive. Yep. a lot of people it's really weird but. it's wild too right because you'll see the scale model guys that will have these just you know stunning pieces dioramas or whatever just 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 truly incredible except for the pilot who's been you know painted with the absolute bare minimum of effort <laughs> and always that's not all of them but i always i always find it funny when i come across one like that it's like the guy was like he you could tell that he he gave a shit about everything except the guy flying the airplane right <laughs> there's a um there's a youtuber called um no, the, the channel is called night shift um, I think it's Martin Kovacs. Uh, he does fantastic scale modeling um, painting, and he talks through his his steps 
through the throughout his videos. Um, he does he does excellent work on his figures when he's doing a, a diorama or a vignette, and um, but the you're going to hear it in his voice and the and the words he uses when he's describing when he's painting the figures. He feels so much less confident. Yeah. Than he does when he's painting a tank. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you all sorts of things about the tank when he's painting the tank, but as soon as he gets to painting like some pants on a guy, it's like, yeah, I, I am really under, I don't know what I'm doing. It uh-huh. kind of comes off things like that. And it's like, well, actually, no, dude, you do know what you're doing. <laughs> it's looking great. There's, yeah, no, it's fascinating. <laughs> I uh, I joined a, a Facebook group for um, miniatures hobbies, and not in the, the gaming content, but miniatures as in like. It, the art form of miniatures so that includes, you know, dollhouses or uh, dioramas and, and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's a very, very big group, very, very broad. Um, not very many war gamers in there, and it's funny because whenever somebody who is a war gamer posts, you know, their miniatures in there, they'll post, you know, a nice looking miniature, but nothing, nothing really special, right? And the the people in there who have never encountered miniatures gaming before will lose their minds at how impressed they are by, you know, just the, guy, the fact that the guy painted eyeballs, right? Even if they're not good eyeballs, but like, you know. <laughs> But yeah, but just, you know, stuff that we consider very, very, you know, elementary. Um, and a lot of these people, you know, they put tremendous work into their pieces and their dollhouses and stuff, but it never occurs to them that, you know, there's a whole skill set they could be applying to the, to the figures themselves. It's, it's, it's just wild watching these divergent forms of art and how people approach it. Yeah. Well, if you can, uh, for those listening, if you, uh, want to get into scale modeling and you're, you know, obviously you're a war gamer, um, I actually know a guy locally. He used to be a former manager of the Games Workshop here in town, and he is also a scale modeler, and he has done work in films, you know, miniatures work in films, because he does both. Yeah. So yeah. he can paint the eyeballs on the little guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's an ad, and you got paid a lot of money for that, so. Right on. Definitely good. Cool. So, um, well, maybe we should get into the news, because there's been quite mm-hmm. a bit of heresy news since our last episode. Um much of it around uh, the Nova Open. We'll get into that in a minute, I think. Uh, I guess I guess the Legions Imperialis, as of today, September 14th, is still delayed, but uh, one of the blogs this week, uh, which showed off um, some rules for terrain, uh, said that it's coming soon. So, perhaps an October release? Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, the, the the rumor mill is still convinced that it's a. Uh, they had to reprint the rulebook, which I still find extremely questionable. Um, I I heard the same thing from uh, from somebody I would describe as a reputable source. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I've heard it. My, my my the reason I'm just dubious about it is that I know I know how long it takes to reprint a book. Yeah. <laughs> and you know they went they it seemed like they were all guns blazing until the last minute you know in in late july when they were like uh sorry not going to be out in august all of a sudden um, yeah so if it comes out in two months i find it hard to believe they they, they reprinted the whole rule book in two months sure. unless you know I, I suppose it's possible the exception to that would be if the company printing it screwed something up like you know right they they left out a signature or something right there's there, there's blank pages or something really yeah. something significant um, that is their responsibility as the printer, right? Because in that case, you know, the printers obviously they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to meet their commitment and, and rush out a new book, um, right? I guess what I'm dubious about is people saying that like you know the book was riddled with errors, so they had to reprint it. I'm like, mm. or how <laughs> about those rumors about uh, what was it like Rommel or something? Oh, right, I, I, that there was there was fluff text or setting material that was talking about Rommel, but they changed the name. But like it was it was just complete nonsense. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think people 
may not realize like how how errored a book would have to be for a, a publisher to pull the trigger on on canceling a print run. Um, and you know, even with you know, GW certainly has its editorial issues from time to time. I find that a little hard to believe. But if it, if it, if it was the, the the printer itself that screwed something up and they produced a product that wasn't up to spec, then yeah, they 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 might they might speed it along. But I don't know. I, I still think packaging is more likely. Yeah, there's all there's a bunch of things it could be. Yeah, it's always fun to speculate. Though, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. They're talking. They're saying soon again. They're, they're obviously they're feeling confident that the, the the project is in hand once more. So, but if it's if it is just in in defense of what Dave's saying, um, if it is a printing issue, then they wouldn't have a specific time. Like it would be a time window, right? So if it's something like a if it's something else like logistically they probably have a very specific time so they can be like uh coming soon so they can they have like a month two month window that they can play with one of the other things as well is that soon is a relative thing yes <laughs> <laughs> what is soon to me is not soon to you that's uh, correct so yeah i mean my, when i when i hear soon in this context it usually means to me within two months right um because you know, if if they really don't know, they're not going to say anything because they're not gaining anything from it, right? But like eight to ten weeks—that's probably a reasonable bet. I mean, who knows, right? It's all it's all voodoo and witchcraft on on this kind of stuff. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens. I guess. I guess the interesting though to think about is that no matter if, if it is the rule book, there's a knock-on effect with this because. Um, the rulebook's included in that new starter box set, yeah. right? So it, it's it's a it's a double product issue at that point because they they have to you know um, it delays their ability to build those those products. Yeah, or if those products have already been built, they've got to take them apart. Right, right. return which which actually makes me think it's even less likely that it's it's a printing error because man, that's they gotta pull those books out, take them apart. That labor, I think that production labor is done in China. I'm not sure if they if they assemble their books there. No, no, I should think no. I think they they only do their I know that they may have their, their product packaging in China, but I think they, they may assemble it in, in Nottingham. But I, you I might know better than I do. Nottingham, yeah. Yeah. Still, that's a lot of... That's like a... That's a big problem. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of overtime. Yeah. Well, I mean, one one thing we can be reasonably sure about is it'll probably be out by Christmas. Yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh... Probably sweating that right now, <laughs> sweating through their power armor right now. Being like, gotta get out by Christmas. But I, I, I Christmas mean, season. I, I continue to be happy to see a delay. So, yeah. When you mentioned uh, like a knock-on effect, um, there's there's that as well. Like it's not just doesn't just affect those two products, but because mm -hmm. that's the launch product. Mm -hmm. When you push that back two months, three months, you're changing. You're pushing all the rest of the product back two months, three months, four months. Yeah, uh, and then. Not just that, but also you know you've got a you probably had a, a window of, of sales that you had for other products that you you, you wanted to promote, right? Like, yeah, this stuff doesn't happen for for no good reason. You know, it's 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 a nightmare for them. Well, yeah. well, Dave, like during your time on War Games Illustrated, I mean, you have you mean you, you probably knew this before that, but you know, logistics is everything, right? So one thing happens, and a whole chain down the line can really screw everything up. Oh yeah, with, with the military or with print, with publishing and uh, printing miniatures. So. Yep. <laughs> Everywhere there's there are so many uh, so many knock-ons that that you just don't you don't picture until they actually happen. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Making things sucks. 
<laughs> no plan, I, I, no plan I, survives contact with the enemy. I love it, but man, production, it's its not fun. <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that, that's that. But again, I'm still happy to see a delay because I still have a million uh, 12 millimeter Englishmen for the English Civil War parliamentarians I'm painting for a friend to do before I can get into that. So nice. it's fine by me. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm also okay with it being delayed. Um, I haven't worked out what Legion I'm going to do yet. Oh, no? No. no do you play Titanicus? Pardon? No, I don't. Okay, that, 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 that simplified it for me. I'm just doing Emperor's Children to go with my Furians, but... Uh... Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's going to be a, an army that I don't do in Age of Darkness. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just really not sure. I might. Maybe I'll do Sons of Horus. Sons of Horus? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, what about... Well, Sons of Horus are good. You could also do... Uh... Well, you, you could do um, Imperial Fist and you'll never lose them. Because yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> very easy to find on the floor if your cats get them or something like that. So, Yeah, they are definitely... I, those, two, those two armies do look... Uh, they've got that great ward presence, don't they? They really do. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, for me, the, the big question is what I'm going to, how I'm going to paint my uh, auxilia, right? Because that, okay. that that starter set is it's you know roughly half auxilia, half um, marines. Yeah. And I I know that it comes with two warhound titans, which I'm actually going to put aside because I already have six warhound titans for my furians. Okay. Uh, so I don't I don't need any more <laughs> furian <laughs> warhound titans. Um, so those those will probably become the part of a, a, a loyalist legio at some point, probably um, fire wasps down the road. Okay. You're, you're doing Emperor's Children, right? Yeah. So why not just like turbo dork the shit out of that and just paint them all kind of, like basically paint them like synth wave soul auxilera. So yeah, maybe I, I, I'm no, trying to figure straight it out from the rave, man. I like having some contrast. I think I might do them in blacks because the, mm-hmm. the image that really inspired me to do Emperor's Children for this was there's an ancient white dwarf picture of a bunch of um, epic scale Emperor's Children with a couple of yellow or now legio furians titans and they, they were supported by some black rhinos and stuff back then i don't know oh, if I know picture yeah I'm about. yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i have that issue oh maybe it'll stack over. yeah so i i think my auxiliary will probably black because i think i like the contrast you know the army's yellow purple and black which i think is kind of interesting to look at on the field and also if i paint them black they're kind of they're a little bit generic so i can maybe get some use out of those auxiliary with like multiple forces right when i inevitably do a legio for loyalists or something I won't need to paint a whole new set of solar auxilia as uh, as loyalists. Yeah, no, that's a good plan. But uh, so you're thinking Sons of Horus, huh? Maybe I'm thinking Sons of Horus. And strangely enough, I, like I have a um, uh, solar auxilia army for Age of Darkness that's made out of uh, Vestroians. No, oh, cool. So even though I want to do a different legion that I don't have, I think doing a the solar auxiliary in that sort of scheme with the the reds and the golds that will fit nicely with the uh yeah what do you call it with the sons of horus yeah yeah absolutely um so what are the what are the is it the 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 chthonian headhunters that's the um the big uh imperial guard regiment that's with the sons of horus as i recall okay mm-hmm. and i i think i think they're red and black were their colors because they're sort of you know they're sort of leading into that early days of, you know, turning to chaos. Um, so that could probably pull double duty for you right there, too. Yeah. Yep. 
Like, I imagine we'll see rules for that stuff at some point, like, you know, your, your own um, dedicated uh, supporting forces and so forth. Yeah. Yep. And you guys are all, like, picking all these different armies that are different from your Age of Darkness armies, and I'm all like, can you guess what my Legions of Imperialis guys will be? It's going to be White Scars, right? Actually, that's a good idea. I like the White yeah. Scars. <laughs> uh, nope. Nope. It's going to be the Night Lord. Is it, it going to be Night Lord? It's going to be Night Lord. Yeah. yeah. Probably. And, yeah. Well, when you when you've got that dark blue down, yeah, like, just keep keep it going. Exactly. I I always wonder why the night lords weren't black, but I get there's like a there's like a coloring reason why and how they look in print, but and in pictures because if they're all black without yeah, you know, but it, it yeah. I mean I, I assume that's why the dark angels returned dark green, but like, um, so why are the night lords all black? It'd be so much easier to paint. <laughs> well, I'm glad they're not because there are, there are enough all black armies in the heresy right now as it is. Yeah, <laughs> there's three I think. Right, you got Dark Angels, Iron Hands, and um, Raven. That's Guard. true. That's yep. true. Yeah, and like, that's right because they start doing all the all black, a um, bunch of other stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got a small Dark Angels force, and I'm I'm really leaning into the the pops of color. Like I've I've got quite a bit of like all the bolters are painted. All the bolter casings are red. Um, you know, I'm doing the squad colors, squads in different um, shoulder colors. So, like, I've got a tactical squad with like a, a yellow color, like that old picture of the with the Al Capone, not Al Capone, Al Pacino, um, Scarface uh, <laughs> Marine. So, I, I got some like some checkered decals and did them up like that. It was kind of a fun nod. Nice. Um, but it keeps from. I, I actually, I like Dark Angels, but I actually find the 90% black with a little bit of red scheme really boring. <laughs> Like I've seen it executed well, but like man, I'd, I'd be so bored to paint like that. So I had to introduce some additional color. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think uh, the um, you're right. It, it is a there's a delicate line to walk with that one. You've got to get some extra pizzazz in it for sure. Yeah, I think for Dark Angels in particular, it's, it's funny. I uh, I actually I quite like I've come around to quite liking the the Iron Hands scheme. Um, okay. But I, I think if I was if I was ever going to do Iron Hands, I'd want to try and do it closer to the old studio scheme from Forge World back in the original Black Books, where it was sort of like a like a. There's actually a lot of green and purple in it. Like you don't you don't see it necessarily, but like their bases are like in these sort of shifty purples and blacks, which gave the depth the blacks some like real depth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Kind of gave it an oily texture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like um, purples and blue. Yeah. But uh, I. Yeah, that could be neat. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's, again, not a whole lot to talk about Legions Imperialis because uh, it's not out yet. But uh, we'll see. I guess before long. Thanks for coming to our wish list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, uh, gonna say my um, my buddy uh, Mark Rayleigh is working on. I think he's working on ten tables. For Legions Imperialis. Oh, oh wow. Legions Imperialis and uh, Adeptus Titanicus, but um, he's part of the group that runs the events at uh, Adepticon. Yeah, so he's uh, getting a lot of that ready, and uh, he's basically has his three uh, D printer going brr all day long. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much cool stuff at that tr- uh, for uh, Titanic. That that scale is gonna be great for Imperialis. Um, oh, what is his name? Um, Grimdark. Grimdark. Yeah. Um, yep. That that guy is making just the coolest stuff out there. It's, it's the one thing that keeps like. I keep almost getting into 3D printing myself because I want to make tables and tables of his terrain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, definitely fair. It's been, uh, yeah, definitely really cool to see them 
uh, coming off the printer and uh, look great. There's such a such a great variety of stuff that he's got as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely suggest people check that out, and if they can get some of that while they're waiting for the uh, the soon to arrive. Mm-hmm. What and what? What is like? I'm not that familiar with this. What? what Sorry. Uh, so, Grimdark Terrain. Uh, if you just did a, did a uh, like a Google search for. Yeah, if you go to grimdarkterrain.com, you'll find he's a guy who's 3D sculpted. Um, he started off doing predominantly Titanic scale terrain, um, like something people wanted for ages, like you know, like a, like a maglev train set um, at that scale. Um, but he's been doing it for years. So now he, he's got like you know, oh, huge yeah. wall sections, um, you know, with like gun emplacements. He's got like a whole line of like adaptive mechanicus built style buildings and stuff. Um, and I think it's all compatible. Uh, with the official terrain kits, yeah, it is. Yeah, like it'll slot into like the you know if you get a gun, it'll slot to the tops of the buildings and things like that. Um, it's really impressive stuff, and uh, you know you can you can download the files, print it yourself, or buy it from various places. But uh, it's really inspiring stuff. Yeah, the web, like I'm looking at the website right now. It's uh, cool. I I have seen this before, right? At least I've heard of them. So um, nice. Yeah, a lot of beautiful stuff there. Yeah, I hear the uh, I hear you know the actual like print quality, um, the pieces it prints from this are, are really really excellent. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Of course, you know he, he's got a new lease on life with with uh, Legions Imperialis coming out, right? So it's <laughs> directly compatible with that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen some really cool buildings or terrain tables people have done with this stuff. I remember when um, Titanicus came out, um, and I owned a gaming store, and we were printing uh, terrain for that actually, or for Compatible for that is a better way to put it. And our stuff was in this, like, this is pretty good. This is like, it's like resin printer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're a guy, if you're going to be like this big with it, oh, it's really nice stuff. Really yeah, nice. He's, he's putting out new stuff almost every month, I think. Um, some cool, I, one of the, he does a lot of like um, extra stuff like, like uh, construction vehicles and things. Yeah. He's got uh, loads of stuff as well for like uh, it has like a has landing pads and um, like pallets with drums and cases on them and big uh, like larger um, shipping containers and then he has like stacks of shipping containers and then shipping containers with like big lifters yeah yeah vehicles yeah, like to go around giant them. excavators and things oh no like um, flying lifters so oh really oh that's cool. Kind of like oh, the, I know you know, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, kind of like the, there was an old like Thunderhawk vehicle that had um, didn't have anything in the middle, basically, but it could carry like a Land Raider into combat. Uh huh. Yeah, that that kind of thing, except it's carrying like twenty uh, shipping crates. Shipping yeah, there's there's one in here, the or- Ordinances Golgotha, which is just like a giant missile transport. It's oh really, yeah, really yep. cool. I'm like, I kind of want that. That's really. <laughs> That's really See, neat. No, this is neat. Yeah, it's, it's the civilian stuff I get excited about because that's the stuff that really brings life to a table. I find. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I, it, this guy's just stuff is awesome. Like, if if I ever get into three D printing, it's going to be basically just to print this stuff out. Yeah, I, I like how forklifts. I like how all the uh, um, all of the um, serial numbers are STC. Yeah, like STC one hundred, etc. Very That's nice. It's like just just enough of the serial numbers filed off. This is really cool. Like I, I, I will probably get that. <laughs> He's a really nice guy. Um, I think he goes by Bronco Fish. 
Um, I've interacted with him a couple times on Facebook and places, and he seems like a really cool dude. We should get him on the show. We should. We should. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Like, because uh, this is neat. Like, oh, yeah, a little multi-parts. There's, like, a little part. Oh, man. Yeah, this is really, I it, like, um, I wasn't, like, aware. I was only dimly aware. I've heard the name. But, like, uh, grimdarkterrain.com. Like, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Adeptus Titanicus and Legions of Prealis needs if you're preparing for Legions. You want to start a board. Uh, you know, get a playing field going on. This is this is the place to go, and you can get STC, you can get STCs, STLs um, of the STCs, I, I guess, and um, yeah. print, print them yourself, which is cool because I got a buddy locally that the guy I did the Warpal minis with. Uh, he still has three printer setups. So well, I printed some stuff for herself because that's for our own games. He's a Titanicus player, so right on. Yeah, so neat. Cool. Well, let's see. I think we probably kind of exhausted the game that isn't out yet discussion. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I'm like I, I totally hijacked this. Like, let me look this up. Yeah. No, this is awesome. I'm happy to talk about it for sure. Um, but let's see. In terms of like actual heresy news, I think one of the one of the big things this week uh, was the uh, latest exemplary battles uh, PDF, which was the battle for Fellweather Keep, which introduced yep. rules for corrupted uh, knights in Age of Darkness. Huzzah! Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, talk, speaking of Adeptus Titanicus, it's it's very inspired by the corrupted Titan rules for that, where you know you can spend small, well, moderate amounts of points to give your uh, knights various bonuses. Um, I think generally in terms of, I think they're, I think you can't take the usual Questorus household bonuses if you take these, but they're fun and thematic. It seems like to me. Has anybody else had a chance to look at them? I only uh, briefly like looked over it. Like, yeah, I, I looked at it like when you when you alerted me to it and i was like oh yeah i was actually yeah. yeah but um looks cool like i i i can't really speak with any authority on it because i've been pretty busy so um it's me not do my homework again and i was also like really excited about my thoughts on, on something else from uh, nova which is uh mark <laughs> three so. Oh, we'll, we'll get into Novo. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's where I was like, I was focusing. But I think, uh, I think, Valf- I think oh, what Steve was saying there was, uh, Dave, you didn't read it either, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just covering uh, for Dave. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. No, I, I, uh, I was, so when I saw it in, uh, in Simon sent through the uh, the notes earlier, I was like, oh, oh, I haven't read up on the uh, Corrupted Knights yet. Uh, should I look up those? And he goes, that's oh, up to you. I was like, okay, then. I was given yeah. it out. I didn't check it out. Yeah, no, it's all good. I, I've, I've only done a little bit more than skim them myself. Um, you know, I, I have I have a knight that I have not yet played with. So, um, well, I got it open right now. So, yeah, yeah me too. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. It's a piece of fiction, which is pretty fun. Um, and then I uh, guess into the into the rules. You know, they 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 seem to start around eighty points or so. I think actually one of the things I like in here was it was quite fun. Is there's a free upgrade. You can give to your armagers called Heedless Slaughter. Heedless Slaughter, yeah. Um, yeah. Only goes to, and it, what it does is it reduces their weapon and ballistic skills by one. <laughs> uh, but uh, it gives everybody in the detachment Rage 2 uh, and so no additional the, points. So Berserker Knights? No, only the armagers. You can't give it to the knights. Oh, sorry. Ber- Berserker Armagers. Yeah. It's even more syllables. Nice. But I thought that was that was thematic and fun. Um, and it is, corruption. It is free, but... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I can't say I've got too great. It also does the psychic one seems really good. Um, Infernal Tempest for twenty five points. Yeah, hey man, for sixty five points you can give your little like Slanishi cultist uh, night dudes uh, rapturous sensation. That one actually seems potentially really cool to me. Because um, no, what it does for me listening 
uh, and this is free. We'll, we'll link this in the show notes too, because this is a free PDF you can just, just get. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the short version of it is is that enemy models within three, eight inches of the model um, have to pass a leadership test before using reactions, and like actually that's, that's right. kind of a big deal. Um, you know, reactions are super important in in this edition of Heresy. Uh, and I think, you know, there are some armies, I think maybe like Night Lords, that are going to be able to impose leadership penalties. So used in, in conjunction with that, that could be pretty powerful, I think. It'd be, it'd be a brutal combo, a nigh-irresistible temptation for the enemy's attention, even when reason dictated otherwise. Ooh, shiny! Yeah, so that's that's going to be fun. I'm more theme than than uh, rules, so like that's that's really cool. Like, I really like the Rapture sensation. And I read formless distortion as gormless distortion. I, mean, I need to get to, I didn't get my nap in today. Um, uh, ravenous dissolution. Yeah, plus one weapon skill. Uh, you get to mark guys for death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to reroll hits, um, and then in some cases wounds. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't think any of this is probably going to be, you know, again, it's going to, you know, shake the foundations of the game. But it seems like a fun way to spend some extra points here and there. Uh, yeah. Is it? Is it better or worse than the Questorus Knight household bonuses? I don't know, nor do I particularly care, because I would take these for very different reasons. You know, I, I would show. Well, I, I've got I got a couple questions that like spin out of this. Like, for instance, I I, I do wonder if they're going to compile all these into a, a print book. Probably not, but that'd be nice. Well, we can talk about that when we come to the Nova Open, right? So yeah, yeah, and then and then the um and then the other one is like how many players. Play night, uh, play nights, and night houses and stuff like that. Like, is it? I mean, it's obviously big enough to be a, a good chunk of the company there, but like, not you know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a lot of night players locally, for instance. So I mean, I think people who actually play nights as like their main force—that's probably a pretty small number. Mm-hmm. Um, but people who have a night or two to add to their army, I don't yeah. know, they're they're around. I, I've got one. Yeah, um, my son has one. Yeah, like. You know, I, I saw the uh, the Heresy event at the uh, Tacoma Open uh, this past summer, and there were definitely a, a few nights around in those games. Yeah, it's, it's good to see. I, I was going to say, I have... Um, I think I have 14 Imperial Knights. 14? Alright, well, mm-hmm. d- there you go. It's, D- it's Dave Taylor, ladies it's and Dave, gentlemen. Dave Taylor <laughs> just holding up, holding down the fort. That's... Uh... And, uh, that, uh, that's uh, I, of the big knights, and then like probably six or seven of the Armages, and then for my Chaos Knights, I've got I think it's about six Chaos Knights with another five Armages. But in my local area, the uh, the Knights um, still have a bad reputation from I think it was seventh edition, sixth edition, mm. seventh edition, whenever they were released. I think um, it was seventh, yeah, yeah, where they were um, super brutal. Uh, and no, still nobody wants to play against uh, knights. So I, uh, I must be. I, I have all these knights. I've never actually fielded. Yeah. When I when I've asked uh, <laughs> locals about it, they uh, the rules think that didn't that didn't really people still like knights here, but they um, their Canadians are very frugal by nature, and a knight's like what 180, 200 Canadian. Yeah, roughly. And they, uh, and you know how many dudes you can buy for that, right? So, like, I can have, like, two tactical, I can have a bunch of tactical, or a bunch of squads and dudes and a vehicle or five, or I can have a knight. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for my kid, it was, like, Baneblade or knight. So, he went with the knight. But 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> 14 nights. Wow. That's a, I mean, my wife like me. since, I, since I started releasing, but yeah, yeah, you can hurry. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. What household do you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, well, uh, Tyrannus. No, right nice, on. nice. Yeah. So, uh, and I do have a, I do have a name for my Chaos Knight household, but I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, actually, usually enough for that, the the warlord, the Night Tyrant um, they run uses a 3D printed body. Oh yeah. Uh, so they so the top it's basically a, like it looks like a centaur. So the yeah, the body and legs are a um, in the <laughs> arrangement of a a horse, uh, and then the the top part of the torso the torso and the arms are uh, the straight up Night Tyrant. Oh, that's cool pieces, but. Uh, so I think there's something connected to horses is in the, yeah. in the name. <laughs> That's but pretty cool. I would I would like one day like to put them on the field. I think I'm, what I'm going to have to do is take along like a whole bunch of Imperial Knights and a bunch of the Chaos Knights and say, okay, who wants to play with these Knights against my Knights? Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, score a game that way. Nice. Nice. Very cool. That's yeah, I just, I just got the one Knight. I, uh, I actually, I had, I, had, I was at a swap meet god maybe five or six years ago um at the end of the day i ended some guy was just this guy was just like desperate to trade like he, he you could tell he, he just like he kind of he got a little high off of making wheeling and dealing and stuff right oh. and um at the end of the day he he'd offered me this this it was the original night uh release box new in box and uh he'd offer me a couple times but he, he, it wasn't a good deal and at the end of the day he comes like hey man can i just have a bunch of this stuff for that i'm like uh okay <laughs> and so I, I made a very uneven trade for it, but um, you know I, I wasn't like I wasn't dying to get it, um, and I just I loved it around for years. And this summer, I wanted to do something just as a change of pace, and I finally painted it up um, back in July as House Malinax, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. So okay. I had a lot of fun painting that. I did it almost all with dry brushes um, and rattle cans, um, no airbrushing at all, and I'm really really quite pleased with it. So uh, I think probably I'll do more Malinax stuff and sort of slowly build out a household around that. Is that the one that's uh, kind of like a bone color? Yeah. With scorpion? Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh. Excellent. Yeah, that looks that, that scheme looks great. Yeah. yeah it, looks, it, it looks like it's straight from uh, War Machine. It's uh which is a good thing. Like like aesthetically. Like it's uh anybody remember War Machine? Remember that game? <laughs> I uh, I do remember War Machine. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I know <laughs> you <laughs> Um, I, I, I actually joked recently about how I said, you know why they made the Imperial Knights, right? It was just to basically put Privateer Press out of business. It's not true, but that's yeah. not true. It's just a joke. But uh, I actually really like Privateer Press, by the way. But, um, yeah, me too. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nasty joke. But, <laughs> but look at the Knights. They're, like, they're fucking cool. So, I mean, they are. You know, they're yeah. Oh, Dave, of course you think they're cool. I mean, yeah. got 14 <laughs> of them. They're, they're all right. Uh, okay. that, now I'm like extra disappointed that Dave didn't read the exemplary battle this week. He, he, could, he could have been our night expert. I could have, but I'm not. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. And I didn't want to be something I like pretend to be something I'm not. Yeah. We were, we were hoping you'd be our night lord, Dave. Oh, wow. I know. One thing I will say, uh, as I was looking through the um, the uh, exemplary battle. Because I did have a quick scan through it, but I got stuck on page three. Um, you know, they have those the super cool sort of uh, 
battle scene faded in the background. Yeah. Of the page. Um, there's a Knight Lancer there that doesn't have mm -hmm. a shield. Mm. And it's bugging me. <laughs> Good catch. He has like a big power fist, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that's the, that's the fist that the shield attaches to. Oh, okay. It, it just doesn't have the shield attached to it. So I don't know whether it was like maybe the, the silhouette of it was a bit too confusing or or what. I don't know. You should write them a strongly worded letter, though. I, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Dear I sir or madam strongly, strongly worded I've expressed my strong words <laughs> I'm going to move on <laughs> um, but yeah I don't know you know I, again I can't say I, I have too much you know in-depth knowledge but I, I like seeing this stuff I think it's it's fun extra yeah. ways to to you know tweak the game um, it's mm -hmm. very thematic and ultimately that's all I really care about so um, you know if it doesn't totally break the game and it's not totally worthless uh, I'm I'm happy to see it Absolutely. Absolutely. We interrupt this transmission for a much needed ad break. The Galaxy in Flames podcast is brought to you in part by the Brush Builders Union. The Brush Builders Union is a community of like minded miniatures painters encouraging one another in their craft. The Brush Builders Union gives you monthly support and encouragement to become the miniatures painter you want to be. Take the union pledge today at brushbuildersunion.com. Now back to the transmission. Death to the false emperor. Do, do any of us, I am sure some of us know these people, but can you think of anybody offhand who does not play for theme? They only play for competitive reasons. Uh, I, I think that's rare with heresy. Or, yeah. You know, rare, yeah. It's certainly rarer than 40k. They're out there. Um, I've met them. You know, I, I certainly cross paths enough with people who, you know, they may not, competitive play might be their first and foremost thought for it, but they, they, they apply that kind of thinking when they look at the rules. Right. Yeah. I uh, I met a guy once that uh, I, I he was talking about his 40k armies and stuff like that, and he and I was explaining to him like uh, Rogue Trader because he wasn't that familiar with Rogue Trader, and he looked like he was going to have a seizure trying to like, explain <laughs> Rogue Trader like how I still love Rogue Trader and really want to play Rogue Trader all the time. But, yeah. So. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that mindset is much bigger in 40k than 30k. I think. Mm. Yeah, 30k theme is theme is a big part of it. That's what that's what attracts me to it mostly. Is I mean, yeah. of course, it's it's epic and you got all the space marines and that's pretty cool. But. Yeah, if you're if you're interested in chasing the meta, it's just going to be it's going to be bigger and more exciting and more you know alive in 40k where there are you know a couple dozen you know really divergent armies that are getting updates and weird things are happening to them. Yeah. There's lots to complain about all the time because. That's really what you're looking to do, right? You want to you want to take everything apart and bitch about it until you find out what you like about it and put it back together in that way, right? Um, yeah. And Heresy's just it's not it's not a living game in the same way. No. Which I prefer, honestly. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, and actually, I like that Heresy. You don't you don't run into those players as much because you know I I don't they can go have their fun somewhere else and they can do it away from me and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the, the big thing with heresy, the heresy community, is about there's that pride of pride of ownership and pride of painting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So putting that effort into making your army look as good as you can do, you can make it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So when you invest in that kind of uh, time and effort, you're more likely to um, to not be jumping around all over the place. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I feel like the that while the, the the sort of toxicity you get with com competitive players isn't as prevalent in Heresy, 
the flip side of it is you get the guys who are obsessed with canon in a way that's completely, you know, unrealistic and, you know, not a, not a healthy way to engage with the game itself, right? Right. Uh, you know, you'll see people who are very hung up on the idea that, that you know, oh, this new release is, it's breaking canon. I'm like, buddy, this isn't, it's not canon like Lord of the Rings. Like, this is a big ongoing system with many, many authors and products and different ways. And, like, you know, the, the only way to realistically engage with it is to think of it as sort of a big piece of myth, right, where parts of it contradict each other. Um, and, you know, intentionally or not. But, you know, it, it's 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 too big to have canon in the way that, you know, these people want it to sometimes. Yeah. Wait, hold on, Simon. Are you saying that it might be uh, foolish um, and crazy to um, make fun of Lord of the Rings canon? And make up stuff when you talk to people. So I do that all the time. <laughs> I just I just like watching it. <laughs> no, I mean that that's 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 good fun too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can throw it all back to the first or the second age. Like nobody's gonna know. Nobody's yeah. talking about. Hey man, I've seen Rings of Power. It's amazing. What a great show. I've never <laughs> seen anything greater. All that money, well spent. I actually didn't watch. Why it. are you spitting on me? <laughs> I only saw the first episode. My wife and I Probably. gave up on it. Yeah, we were like, I mean, we didn't give up. We, we were going to return to it. And we had some like, the boys to catch up on or something like that. So that that was that. that was so much fun. I just didn't watch it because like I don't. Sometimes I don't. I don't know. I, I have a relationship with 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 fra franchises and properties and stuff that sometimes I've had enough. And like I love Lord of the Rings. I love the books. I love the uh, the Peter Jackson original trilogy. And that's that's all I need really. Right. Like mm -hmm. I, I I don't wake up and go. I want to see more Lord of the Rings adaptations. I just, you know, if something cool comes along, I'll check it out, but, like, it has to be really special for me to be interested. Like, I'm, I'm, I've had my fill of it, basically. Look, the best thing that ever came out of Lord of the Rings were the critical hit charts in Middle-Earth role-playing. Okay? That's it. <laughs> Died then. There's no point. The movie's yeah. cool, I guess, but, yeah. It's, yeah. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I, I see a lot of arguments people talking about, like, you know, like, oh, well... In, in the heresy, you know, they didn't have Mark VI armor before this point, and the fact that they're selling Mark VI is only because they want to sell the new models. I'm like, well, yeah, they want to sell the new models, but, like, the heresy is enormous. Like, who's to say who had Mark VI when and where, right? And, like... Yep. And, and also, you can sell the Mark VI armors to, to 40k players. I mean, why wouldn't they... Like, they'll just change the canon. That's what that's what Games Workshop's always done <laughs> anyway. If they if they really, like, oh, yeah, that's... Like, we, should, we should probably change that. And then they do, and they, they have since... 1986 and you know when they started developing it and 87 when they released it it's this way it's always yeah. been which is what it's great because it's all lies right like that's the best part everything and nothing is canon that's awesome yeah. it's my my favorite thing the unreliable narrator yeah exactly yeah and, you know i i understand wanting to have things you know be sort of it's important that there is an aesthetic consistency to the to oh, sure. everything 40 and 30k related right like no. But as long as it has that, everything else is kind of, eh, you know, it's going to change at some point. They're going to they're going to decide this is different, or they wish they done differently. You know, people people approach the heresy novels, um, you know, sometimes as if they're like, you know, the heresy bible, and they're not, right? And it's not and it's not for nefarious purposes. It's not because like, oh, we have to rewrite this to sell more models of X, Y, and Z. Although I'm sure that's happened here and there. Let's, let's, let's be honest about it. But um, yeah, yeah. But you know, more than that, it's that they've been writing these books for twenty years. Yeah. Right. And their their understanding of it has been refined over that process. So things that, you know, were written in those first 10, 15, maybe even 20 novels, you know, they're like, oh, I wish we hadn't done that. Maybe, what if we just what if we just retcon that? Right. And in a lot of cases, that's fine. And I, I think it's, if, if you approach it as like a, as a, a mythology where, you know, there are alternate versions of it, it makes a lot more sense. and It's a lot more fun. Yeah.
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I mean, especially with the with the presence of the warp, right? Like every it, things can change, and I'm sure there's somebody at Games Workshop somewhere throughout everyone that's worked for Games Workshop that is like kicking themselves for hiring Ian Watson to write the Inquisition trilogy. But you know, I, I really like uh, you know squats and sex dungeons or whatever he wrote about. I can't remember. <laughs> It's been a long time since I read those books. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, hey. Are you talking about the pain globes? Yeah, I think the pain globes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have, I have the original uh, first two. I don't think they made the third until later when they re- reprinted them. I have them. I have all the original um, Games Workshop books. Right. Novels. I think it just drives for a certain kind of person nuts that, like, at the end of the day... The, the, the grim dark reality is that every author is making it up as they go along. Yeah, I mean, right? they, like yeah. they have some guiding notes, and you know, there are there are there are meetings, especially for the, the Solar War stuff, right, or the Siege of Terror stuff. Like, you know, I think they have a, a much tighter handle on that than they did for the first fifty-four novels in the series. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, even then, you know, it's Dan Abnett at his computer going, "Well, wouldn't it be cool if I did this instead?" Right? Like, and you know, you just gotta. I think for big changes, he has to clear it with Big Papa. But like, oh sure, yeah. But other than that, yeah, you know, deciding that you know some some minor named character he's going to introduce or you know kill off or something, he probably doesn't have his permission to do that. Really, I will not forget. Try it again, brag, Dan. Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard him in interviews talking about um, Legion, mm-hmm. so the book about the Alpha Legion. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Oh, I think. Oh, if we introduce this idea that there are two Primarchs, that would be amazing. But I'm, I'm sure they're not going to go for it. I'll tell you what: if I throw a whole bunch of crazy ideas at them, maybe they'll like and just be left with that one, and that'll be fine. And so he threw a whole bunch of crazy ideas, and and they were just like, "That sounds fantastic." Yeah, who would it? <laughs> Look, if any if anyone thinks ever thinks Dan Abnett has bad ideas, don't ever forget that him and Andy Lanning created the Guardians of the Galaxy that you see in the films. Yeah, yeah, that, that was what he what he and Lanning, Andy, both both awesome guys. Andy's awesome, and, and they created that. And then you know, I mean, sure, there was a guy one time that tried telling me that Double Eagle was shit, and I just told him to go fuck himself because that's a great <laughs> book. It's like anybody can read that and enjoy it, and and like, poop, man. But like I was actually, he's like, well, that's a strong reaction. But like, um, but yeah, yeah, like Dan Abnett, like just that's genius. Like I'm gonna throw like it's like how you pitch like comic companies and give them all the crappiest ideas for Terror Inc. and then or or whatever or Sleepwalker, and we'll just go with like the least crazy idea. Like okay, whatever. yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, yeah. On that one, his his drop close was gonna be okay. Well, let's just go with the two Primax thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I just read a novel. Um, I'm up to book forty. Actually, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reading Korax right now. But I just finished um, Praetorian of Dorne, which is much about the Alpha Legion, which was a pretty good one. I like that one. A lot, of, a lot of good Alpha Legion action in that one. Okay, nice. Yeah, John French, good writer. Yeah, he is. Wait, John French is he the one that? No, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, a different writer. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I was just like, uh... no, it's something else though. Remember, um, yeah, cool. So, uh, let's see, oh, so not specifically heresy related, but uh, I know you're gonna be excited about this, Steve. Is the announcement this week of uh, an official collaboration between Games Workshop and Weta? I'm so excited, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I think it's really cool. I, I think I'm like, I, I don't know what they're going to be doing. I, I do wonder if this this is this is just out of left field. This is no official. Like I haven't read this anywhere. This is me off the top of my head. Just just so you know, because I I do work in film and stuff like that. So I wonder if the um, Weta like this what they're doing with Weta Workshop is a result of them talking to Weta for work on the um, the, the TV show that's coming. So. Because a lot of stuff results from all these like kind of relationships and talking to different outfits and everything like that. Well, so. sure. Well, I, well, workshop. They they worked with Weta to some degree in the past. I know. What on Lord of the Rings stuff, right? Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. They uh, so yeah, a lot of the the stuff has spent time in New Zealand, but that was a lot of that was almost twenty years ago. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. But did you did you guys watch the video? I have not. Okay, so. I am not either. So you're, you're oh you're you're a, you're a Weta expert, Dave. Wow, Dave, you're, <laughs> you're the Night Lord. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, well, the other thing as well is a lot of them had accents that sound very much like mine. Um, they they're not Australian accents; they're New Zealand accents. But uh, Kiwis. The um, but no, they probably spoke to I don't know maybe six or eight guys who work for Weta Workshop, and they're all they're all talking about their their favorite models or their favorite armies or playing games with other against other people who work with Weta Workshop or their first sort of introduction to the, the, the thing that set them on the path to working at Weta Workshop was a space yeah. you know or a, a chaos demon or something like that so it was a, a very well done sort of video to show that the, the passion behind it it's not mm -hmm. just sort of they're not just going to go okay yeah let's just uh 3d scan this uh what's his okay. name lionel johnson yeah uh <laughs> let's scan that dude and uh pump out a, a mini there it's people who are excited and enthusiastic and passionate about the sort of working with the ip so that's, that's very cool that was very uh that was very cool which sort of made me think Oh man, this could get very expensive very fast. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, like, like, God, what if they do like a big, you know, giant, you know, Emperor versus Horus and Sanguinius diorama or something, right? Like, God, what's that going to cost? <laughs> we'll be six hundred mortgages. Yeah, six hundred fifty dollars. I would. I'd have a, to sell a lot more than that. <laughs> well, that's that's the, and that's uh, and that's what I was talking about. Is like, like that's 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 a, that's a very small market, but it's going to be you know lucrative for that small market, but. Well, also, that's interesting that they're because who would I tap? What what special, what like special effects, uh, miniatures, etc. Outfit for film would I tap for? Like, I don't know. I, I guess like a, a Warhammer TV show. It'd be what? Yeah. But it would be the first place. Be the, for the first people I would go to, especially since they already have a relationship with Amazon. Right. <laughs> right. Because no, they all makes they, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Amazon is, is really, you know, like they have their Rings of Power show, and yeah, well, they got Warhammer. 40k, yeah. sorry. I have to distinguish the two. Or three, I don't count Age of Sigmar. Fuck that. From Age of Sigmar. Nothing is wrong with Age of Sigmar. I just hate that they destroyed my favorite fantasy setting in order to do it. Maybe you should have brought more. They're bringing it back, though. I, yeah. did, I, I bought a lot, dude. Yeah. Not yeah. enough, clearly. Not enough, not enough. Oh. 
but yeah, yeah, they're bringing it back. I'm very excited about the old world. I've tried hijacking a couple podcasts already talking about what we did, so. All right, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a brief hijack for Old World Talk here. It, it segues you. nicely into the Nova Open reveals for Heresy, but one of yeah. the Nova Open reveals was for some uh, Warhammer the Old World stuff. So how do you feel yeah. about that, Steve? How does it make you feel? Ooh, makes me feel good. It makes yeah. me feel good. Maybe maybe we'll actually have it within the next year. Um, I'm... Um, I, it, it shows that they're committed to it, because originally when the Old World was announced and... People were getting kind of excited about it. Um, there's always a part of you that's like, yeah, but they end times the shit out of Warhammer Fantasy. I've just pretended like it hasn't happened and at all. Like, I just try to ignore it as much just, as I just can. Just 10 years of denial. Yeah, it's been 10 years of denial. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think I do think the Age of Sigmar minis are fucking rad. I think they are excellent. I love their undead. I love those sea elves or whatever they call them in Age of Sigmar. They're amazing. I would totally build an army of that. I just don't like thinking about the end of the old world the end right. the end of the end of the warhammer world which in my mind still sits within the eye of terror as per heavily hinted in i think it was slaves of darkness right but like you know i i i'm still like you know i'm still in that camp it's like you know tell them old now and you know i don't make i mean i got weird colored hair and i i look like i'm 30 but and i look like a young person but my deep conservative thing that I have as an old person is like, never gets better than Rogue Trader. Like, you know, Imperial <laughs> Beastman is where it's at. Like, yeah. that's, 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 and it's also why I like Heresy as well. One of the big sticking points for Heresy for me, a good sticking point, is the fact that you can feel Beastman. So, you know, Imperial Beastman, which I think is neat. But like, um, I, I'm very excited about Overworld and their, like the Nova Open, what they're talking about. Um, and other other announcements. It just shows they're committed. And I, I don't. I do think Bretonians versus Tomb Kings is a weird thing to go. But then again, Bretonians means Musion, which is my favorite. One of my favorite parts ever of anything. Um, so I can convert some Bretonians into Musion uh, Black Rail Knights and stuff. Yeah, that'd be sweet. What did you think of the lady they showed off? Um. I, I don't know if you can tell, but I did not see that part of the announcement. Oh. So. Wow. Yeah, um, they showed off a very cool figure. Yeah, I kind of skimmed over it, and I mainly focused on the Mark III armor lane. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I um, <laughs> well, actually, let's do, let's do, this will take it just a second. Um, I'm going to look at it right now. Not, not the video, but, uh, yeah. where is the link for that? Jesus. It's buried somewhere. Oh, there it is. Bow deeply for Elise Duchard. Oh, sweet. Yep. <laughs> now, now, just just so you know, I, I, I was never a fan of Bretonians back in the old days. And Bretonians in the early Warhammer fantasy weren't less Grail Knights and stuff. And then Musion, it was more like a, it was like pre-revolutionary France. And then they turned it into like, what was it, fourth edition? They turned, third edition, fourth edition, they turned it into like, you know, the Bretonians well known and love. And then I start getting more into them, and I'm like, I, I love Bretonia. They totally, yeah. She looks, oh man, she looks fantastic. It's a beautiful figure. Have you seen it there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. It's stunning. Oh, okay, it looks like porcelain. It does. It does. It looks like this is something that my uh, my partner would love. She she's looking at me like she knows I'm talking about her. Um, I'll have to show this. The unicorn is gorgeous. It's like one of those uh, fairy sculptures that you pick up at a store or something like that. Like, uh, 
Except way better. Except way yeah. better. Except, yeah. you know, now Nicole's going to be like, Nicole's going to be like, and, and, and you're going to paint rules. it? Yeah. yeah, it has rules, and yeah. <laughs> I'm going to paint it, and I'm going to get this and paint it for her. It's going to look like, you know, that weird, that piece of art that old lady tried to restore, and it turned out to be All right. <laughs> some kind of horrifying nightmare <laughs> realm thing. Yeah, this is what it will be me painting. Well, look, oh, this has got me thinking. Maybe maybe there's a whole market of, you know, selling rule books for um, Precious Moments figurines. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, that's an untapped market. It is. It is. Well, well, comparing, but, uh, sure. comparing comparing her to the older miniatures is like comparing old Nagash to new Nagash. This yeah. is, uh, is like, oh, they're so adorable and weird looking. And man, this is, holy shit, this is great. And I'm you got to understand, I'm like a Night Lords guy. Like, yeah. and, and I'm also like a Black Grail Knight guy. And I, I, I really like, you know, evil black spikes skulls i mean i have a music project called skull cultist right so <laughs> like you know and, and this this beautiful white like uh yeah. unicorn and she she looks fantastic there's not she doesn't look like how do i put this without pissing someone off she doesn't look like cheesecake or anything like that which is i is no. what i prefer i don't want cheesecake yeah gals. like i i really like that just she looks like a real person, which is great. Like that's, oh, it's fantastic. The, the, the sculpt is, is incredible. The paint yeah. job is stunning. I mean, the, oh, yeah. the paint job is doing a lot of heavy lifting there, but the sculpt is very, very, very nice underneath it. It's, it's yeah. a, the paint job's making me cry because I can never, ever. I, I, I know I got my buddy. He might be listening to this right now. My buddy Adrian. I will pay him to paint this for us. So. Yeah, he's a fantastic minis painter. He's one of the best I know. And uh, he's right here in Victoria. Wow. Okay. Cool. I'm glad I looked it up. That's. I don't know how I missed that. Usually good about sending me links and stuff, and I must have missed that one. But yeah, I mean, if that speaks to the level of, of you know obvious love they're putting into the the new old world stuff, it's it speaks well for uh, for the future of that game. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, totally. It's. Um, well, I mean, that was that was the big fear is that the old world would, like, just kind of be, kind of pooped out, like lackadaisical or whatever but i mean it's, it's games workshop they're not i mean everything they do has a, an express purpose and they have stockholders to please and fans to please which has got to be the worst position to ever be in i'm sure you know <laughs> like i gotta please fans and i have to please stockholders and i'm a creative oh shit so i don't ever want to be in that position and um you know i'm excited and you know, i might actually buy bretonians oh my lord that's weird <laughs> see i, I I, I want her in my, you know, I want to make a dark version of her, like a black grail. Um, oh, yeah, you could totally do that. Yeah, like a Musion. Yeah, Musion is amazing. I love Musion. Basically, Musion's like, if they're all King Arthur, Musion's Mordred. So like, mm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, Steve, I promise yeah. I, will, I will one day do an old world podcast with you, but stay. Yes, 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 yes. Well, let's get back on topic. Thank you so much for allowing me to splurge about that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, so there were a lot of heresy reveals at the open. Um, a lot of very cool stuff. Uh, some of them were not that surprising. We knew that they we knew that plastic Mark III armor was coming this year, um, but they, they showed it off, um, and it is super cool. They've all got pickle trap <laughs> spikes on their helmets, which I'm into. I know it, it's divisive. Some people don't like them. I think they're cool. Well, the, the there's a ball on the pickle trap. If, if you don't like them, you can just cut them off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Pickle how? Pickle Halba. Yeah. Well, pickle Halba is or, yeah. or, or Pickle Halba if you're from where I'm from in Germany. Yeah. Mm. But, well. Uh, yeah, so I don't know why anyone would hate the Pickle Halba. Pickle Halba? It's, uh, it's awesome. 
I love that. I used to have a, a hedgehog named uh, Count uh, Count Pickle, as in Pickle Happen. <laughs> it's a good name. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Um, so, I'm actually trying to find it. Like I had, I had it earlier. So of course I'm going to drool over the uh, Mark III. It's my favorite Space Marine armor. Yeah, I mean, so the, the interesting thing about the Mark III armor, um, you know, a, they, they announced it back maybe at the spring, I think. And I admit, it's one of the big surprises for me um, this year because the old plastic Mark III armor really isn't that old. That kit came out in, what, 2016? Yeah. yeah. So seven years, that's not really all that long for a, a core infantry type, right? Like, for them yeah. to make their money off something like that. So I, I thought... I, I knew we would see it eventually, but I figured it was going to be maybe, you know, 3rd edition Horus Heresy would see resized Mark III and Mark IV armor um, to scale up to the Mark VI. Uh, so I'm very pleasantly surprised to be wrong about that and that we were seeing, you know, rescaled Mark III this year. Well, I mean, they got to do it at some point. You might as well rip the Band-Aid off. Like, I mean, I've got a bunch of Mark III dudes, but I, I'm sad that they'll be tinier now. I'm like a scale nerd. Like, I, I, I if they're like different scales, just bugs the shit out of me. So, um, but like, looks great. So I don't care. I'll just basically, I guess I'll just put them on two bases, my little guys. So they at least look level to my guys <laughs> rather than a bunch of, a bunch of um, tiny Marines, you know? Like, yeah. Well, the other thing you could do is start a new Night Lords Army. That's true, I could. And I can make the other guys black shields. I haven't painted them yet, so... Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's like, yeah, new Night Lords. And then I, I don't know... Um, well, I guess I just do third-party um, Night... You know, like, pauldrons and stuff like that, so... Yeah. Because you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, like, make them look like Night Lords. I mean, it's... That's true. You can paint them like Night Lords, but you need more skulls in their armors and stuff. So, wings and stuff. Wings. You need your vampire counts in space, is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Um, but I think it's cool, you know, they, they, did, they did let us know that um, the new Mark III kit is uh, compatible with the uh, weapon upgrade kits for the Mark VI. Yeah. Yes. So, special and heavy weapons, you can just swap those right over, which is, you know, very cool. Um, there won't be a lag in, like, being able to build your Mark III guys out however you want without having to do a bunch of kit bashing, which is great. Um, I do think it's just, if you notice, they use basically, the, the Mark III, while the sculpt is different, the poses are identical to the Mark VI's. Uh, Presumably, in order to make them cross compatible with those those additional arm pieces, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, would just been uh, the the easiest way to go. Yeah, um, and you know, I know pe I know people wish that the Mark VI was a little more modular, uh, which I get, but I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm gonna have twenty guys in a squad. I'm not looking at them that closely, and there's a there's a good there's what there's probably there's what five unique poses in each box. Yeah, before you just start doing arm swaps and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, or in each sprue, I should say. So, I don't know. I, I've never looked. I've never looked at my my two twenty man squads of Sons of Horus tactical marines and felt like they looked samey. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't. Yeah, know. They're, they're they're pretty. They're they're rather varied. Like. Yeah. And especially once you start mixing in like special and heavy weapons and stuff, like I don't know, you you can't tell the difference. And there's there's so many ways to match around mix around helmets and stuff in Heresy. Yeah, it feels like it feels like a pretty minor quibble to me. And, and also, I, I mean, just just to stress to anyone out there that's like listening and being like, I disagree with Simon. I hate Simon. Um, you know, like it could come as a single metal figure that you you have to like use like pinning, and if you want to convert it, because that's what we used to call it back. Yeah, in you need a jeweler's version. Yeah, you need a kit back to convert it. You need to like have a, you need to have a Dremel set. Like I don't even know what it's like to do miniatures on a Dremel. You know, like. 
you need one to drill into your metal miniatures and stuff and and, and pin them and use like all kinds of different glues cements you become like a solve like i'm gonna solve it my problems like it it, it, it so it's like this is this is glorious so you get like these these sprue kits they're easy to assemble if you want to kit bash them hell you could just make your own i mean like and also how many how many how many people out there are making um you know 3d printable legs and bodies and oh yeah much out there right like you know if, if you're the, if you're the kind of player who needs that level of detail the world's your oyster right now well to quote to quote my my younger son vance he was like i don't even understand i can't live in a world where i don't have third-party stuff i can pick up yeah like for his like you know black templars we spark those but he mainly does uh um, thousand sons right like and for his beastmen, it's like third-party bits and stuff like ah bits are i i i I have to say, I used to have that, you know that Bits catalog that came, oh god, it was the late 90s? Oh, yeah. It folded out into a big poster. Well, that used to be, that was in my store, too. I used to be on my wall, and then I'd flip it around occasionally. And friends of mine would say, hey, you flipped that around, because it was like, it was just all the bits that you can get from, from Games Workshop. And to mm -hmm. me, that's like a frameable poster. Like, that's, <laughs> I like bits, is what I'm saying. But it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like it's, these kits are also you, you got everything you need right there, but you know, yeah. I don't know. There's just so much you're you're spoiled for choice. It's... Yeah. Uh, well, so they showed off the Mark III. It seems like that's going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, they also showed off the new plastic uh, Derradeo. Derradeo? How's that pronounced? I've never actually said it out loud before. Derradeo. Derradeo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the new Derradeo dreadnought, which is super cool. Oh, um, Derradeo. Derradeo. Sounds, uh, so I go with Derradeo. <laughs> yeah, I think Derradeo sounds. Derradeo, maybe. Uh, it could be like Derradeo. Der, yeah. It could be Derradeo, but it'd be Derradeo. Yeah, like like is it? I mean, really? Like, it, it could be Derio in this. Derio. Derio. Yeah. 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 Derradeo. Let's, uh, um, let's get in touch with. Good Dan. talk, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you ever see people like arguing over how things are pronounced in Warhammer? I'm like, it's fake Latin. Don't worry about it. One of, one of my favorite moments was back when I worked at Privateer Press. There was a big argument on our forums about various pronunciations, and um, myself and a few of the other writers came in and were like, <laughs> "This is how we pronounce those words." And people were like, "You're wrong. You're wrong." <laughs> oh man, Jason told me about that. that yeah, yeah, because like, yeah, he was like, "Can you believe this shit?" I'm like, uh, "That's a." Jason Souls, yeah, he's an old buddy. Like, yeah, it's how I know Simon actually. Um, yeah. it, but like, yeah, that's this is how I pronounce it. Like, um, or when like people tell George R. R. Martin how to pronounce things in his, yeah. his world that he created himself, it's like, yeah, dude, just uh, okay, nerd. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, the the Derretio Dreadnought is super cool. Um, I, yeah. is, I I love the Derretio, but I also love the fact that it's kind of a dreadnought that looks like a toilet. Um, actually. It does, and I do believe, uh, yeah, it's it's basically an Excalibur or Warhammer from BattleTech. Yeah, true. Uh, like Warhammer, <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it, it, I, I'm gonna pick one up because it's like it's got the two big gun arms. It looks like a looks like a Destroid or Destroyed from Robotech uh, or BattleTech. Or all the early models are the same. Yeah, like, yeah. Properties, but like. For, for reasons I won't go into, but like it, 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 this is so, and it's got the big missiles that reminds me of like one of those like old termies, like the cyclone missile launcher. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has the same kind of goofy vibe that the old termies have. Like it's very eighties. Oh yeah. dude. 
it's it's my favorite dreadnought like when i saw this i'm like holy shit and nicole's like just stop talking because i was like look at this look at this amazing thing look at this <laughs> yeah it's really cool like in the legs i mean look at the legs they're just like those are great like this is that's a dreadnought yeah yeah it's, i mean it's, it's a big oh sorry go ahead Oh, it's just it's the big gunboat dreadnought, right? And like yeah. that's that's very cool. And it, I think it's the last of the main dreadnought types that uh, wasn't in plastic now for Heresy. So you got your Contemptor, your Leviathan, and your Doradio. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be a resin kit, right? No, it's plastic. No, plastic. Oh, they're making a plastic kit. Oh, thank God. Yeah. 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 That's why everybody's super excited about it. Cause it's been out in resin for a while, but like I I had put one of those resin ones together, and it was not a good time. No, I won't. I won't buy anything from Forge World that's resin that's not like tiny pieces, like not like like guns or something like that. Because just mm, I hate it. I hate it because they break. You know, when you spend like two hundred dollars on like three Mark II guys or whatever, and they they snap. You're just like, that's when I I, I have a rage fit. I'm like, God damn it! Like, because you know, yeah, that's just those three guys cost a lot of money. <laughs> um, but like. Okay, it was more like 120. But like what I'm saying is like there that's not many dudes for that much money. Sure. You can tell I've assimilated the Canada really well in the last 17 years. So, um but yeah, no, plastic kit. Um Yep. Well, I mean the so very I, cool thing is that part of the part of the reveal at Novo, Nova was there's going to be a uh, box set that's going to be 30 Mark 3 plastic marines with a sprue of special weapons and a uh, a Doretio and a, a uh, Land Raider Proteus. Yeah, I'm gonna get that. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody is. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all gonna get that. <laughs> everybody, everybody's gonna get it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I got, I got. Um, actually, actually, I do want to come back to that though, because there's, there's, there's one other very big reveal at Noble, which leads into a more recent release they've announced, which is the new uh, Demon Prince Fulgrim. I was gonna mention that because I saw that and I was like, Simon, you like the Imps? Yeah, he's pretty cool. Speaking of uh, speaking of wonderfully uh, bent resin, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that piece oh, is man. Be amazing. That... Like you'll have to invite people over to your house to play games with that model. <laughs> yeah, you you don't take him anywhere. You people no. come to him to see him, which is you know pretty appropriate, right? Yep. Yep. So is is now just okay so i i'm i'm in the dark on this like is yeah i'm in the dark prince on this if you will um nice. what was did he come out in resin before well i mean so they've released all the primarchs in resin right okay um, yeah i, I they're, they're doing these sort of you know like horus ascended came out uh, last year and that was the first of the sort of reimagined heresy primarchs yeah um and now fulgrim as a demon prince is the second and it, it, have you have you seen the model Yes. Yeah, it's you know it's enormous and beautiful, but it is you know gigantic resin, uh, delicate wings with spikes. Yep. Yeah, and that's that. Well, that's the thing is like <laughs> I'm looking is and, and that's the model they're showing on the Nova thing, right? Or is this a plastic? Yeah. yeah. Oh no, that's that's resin. It's resin. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's God, it's no. it's stunning, and I, I understand why it's resin and not plastic because you know, um, as advanced as the the the, the injection molded plastic models are. There are kinds of undercuts and sculpts that you can't do in, in plastic because of the way that the machinery works. That you can only really do, um, yeah, in, in uh, resin sculpting or resin molding, um, and it's it's a stunning piece. It's really it's tr it's truly beautiful, um, but it is full of tiny delicate resin. Like I, you know, you're gonna sneeze at it and it might fall apart. I'd rather it was pewter. <laughs> like mm, you say oh. that. Oh, I know. I just have. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, you know, it's like you break rocks for long enough, you start to like it. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a truly beautiful figure. Oh, it's gorgeous. Like, I, I've never been a Fulgrim fan. I always thought he was stupid but until now. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> like, he's really neat looking. Yeah. Yep. And then just a few days ago, uh, they shared the upcoming uh, next expansion for Horus Heresy, which comes back to you, what you had said earlier, Steve, so you were wondering if they were going to be collecting exemplary battles, and the first next is, of course, exemplary battles of the Age of Darkness, Volume 1. Yeah, yeah, you uh, you linked that to me, and I was like, oh, okay, I, how did I miss that? Like, that's uh, that's fantastic. I'm probably going to get that. Yeah, so that, that's where Fulgrim's rules are going to live, and then a bunch of the um, exemplary battle squads that they put out over the last few years, so it's going to be full of a bunch of content. Uh, much of it online, I imagine, it's going to be cleaned up a little bit uh, here and there. Um, but it's going to have some new scenarios um, and a whole bunch of stuff, so pretty cool. There's going to be, I guess, content for uh, Night Lords, Iron Warriors, World Eaters, Ultramarines, and Salamanders, as well yeah. as entirely new rules for Salamander Sanctifier squads. And the Night Lords are... Uh... It's fantastic. See, I, I, I forget what the Night Lords stuff is, but it, it, they, I think it came out about a year ago. And some of, it was, some of it was stuff, I think, that was for the last edition of Heresy, so it's updated rules for the new edition. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for, because now I'm, like, getting all the second edition stuff. Like, I like to set some rules updates. I'm not, huge, I'm not hugely married to the rules, but there are some significant differences between the two editions. So yeah. I, I just want to note on the on their announcement, they have a picture of Ultramarines, and these Ultramarines look really cool. Yeah, they're Devastators, so they're primarily black. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you make the... I mean, I, I, whenever I see Devastator Ultramarines, like, Heresy Era especially, I'm like, finally, the Ultramarines look cool. I say that every time. <laughs> Saying it now. Well, Hopefully, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, we have that, Ultramarines fans listening. That is uh, kind of all the big heresy news, but I kind of want to go back to that that box set of Mark III and the Doradio and the, mm -hmm. the um, Proteus, because I think it's such an obvious way to start a new army or expand an army, and I think that yes. really kind of speaks to one of the things we wanted to have Dave here to talk about, which was how you plan and theme uh, a new army for the Horus Heresy, which is something I think Dave's given a lot of thought to, mm -hmm. both personally and professionally. So. Uh, Dave, let's hear. Or, you know, what, what are you excited about about that new box set? And, you know, what do you, how might you be approaching building your armies out? Well, I think um, one of the things, uh, I mean, something that you guys have been talking about a lot, and you've been putting inside uh, of that series on the blog um, about using the Age of Darkness box set to sort of get things rolling for a yeah. Um, a lot of uh, folks who sort of talked about similar sort of things have always gone, okay. This has got what's it got? It's got forty Mark Six Marines in it. Mm -hmm. Okay, here are here are the legions that fit a Mark Six sort of aesthetic. Uh, so Raven Guard and uh, I'm trying to think what else. Alpha Legion, <laughs> Raven Guard, White Scars, um, Alpha Legion. Um, there's a, there's a bunch that will look good in uh, Mark Six. This box does a similar sort of thing for all of those legions that look. Um, great in Mark Three, have that sort of that heavier, yeah, more pyramidal sort of feel. Um, so obviously Death Guard, um, Iron Warriors, um, Salamanders um, are a great one for that as well. Uh, so for those folks who maybe weren't feeling that Mark Six kind of aspect, um, having thirty Mark Threes in that. A nice sort of easy to pick up box set uh, can get you rolling on those. Like Iron Hands is another great one. 
Um, yeah. Death Death God. Death God. Um, there's a bunch. Uh, I, I guess Imperial Fist is always an odd one, isn't it? Because the the yellow is so bright that it sort of dominates the, the silhouette. Um, Still, you can break that up with black in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but you don't... You probably should think that maybe um, Mark III Iron Armor works would work really well for Imperial Fists. Yeah, breachers yep. and such, yeah. sure. But, um, yeah. So, I, I think uh, for folks who are keen to get started on an army that has that sort of that built-in aesthetic the heavier more solid front-facing um sort of big armor plates um that's a great opportunity for that um i think the what we're all hoping i guess is that that's going to be a like a discounted bundle that we're not going to be looking at like a $230, $250 box set. We're going to be looking at like 150 170 Yeah, I'm guessing that 175 to 200 range. Because what, Age of Darkness is what, 300 Yeah. You get a you get a ton of stuff, including a, a rule book in there, which you won't be getting in here. So yeah. I'm guessing about 200 bucks for it. So um, it's, a, it's that great sort of, uh, well, it does double duty as a great jumping off point, but also a great expansion point mm-hmm. for uh, existing uh, obvious to sort of take things in that bit more of and having the the Derodeo there, which is a very gun heavy dreadnought, it's it's something you're gonna want to sit still with. So working on a, a force that has a bit more of a static approach um, is gonna be sort of is gonna play well into the strengths of that box set. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so in the past, I know we've spoken about this, Dave, um, but you have sort of an approach to army building, um, right? Or, or to how you how you approach a new project as a whole. And I was wondering maybe you could kind of restate your principles, but because I, I found it very useful to how I approach my projects over the years since I read it initially in um, Armies, Legions, and Hordes. Right. So yeah, um, when was that? That was like five years ago, though. It's been a minute. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, Armies, Legions, and Hordes is um, a book that I wrote about. Uh, wargaming projects or completing wargaming projects uh, be they collections or terrain collections or um, armies or what have you uh, it's kind of like a, a project management book for that um, and it's, it goes through the sort of different steps that you can take so um, think coming up with a theme coming up with a, a color scheme uh, things to think about you're talking there, all the, the classic things that you probably hear, like the, using the color wheel to pick um, some complementary colors. Um, I think one of the things I might have talked about in there with the schemes was um, whenever you look, like when you go to a hardware store and you look at the paint ranges there, um, things like places like Bear, oh, companies like Bear or Sherwin Williams or that sort of thing, they have those booklets that give you example color schemes, like. Mm-hmm. Your living room could look like this. Your bathroom could look like this. Whenever you look at it, there's a the breakdown of the the color scheme is um, usually like a seventy twenty ten. So it'll be a seventy percent of the room is painted in one color, twenty percent is painted in another color, and then there'll be a ten percent sort of pop color. Yeah. So um, that that could be for the trim, like the crown molding or the the floor, uh, the baseboards. Or sure. There might be one door is painted bright red against a mint green wall. 
that kind of thing. Um, those are great places to look for, for color schemes. Um, I just realized now I'm a little bit distracted by that color scheme idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, one of the things that the, the ideas that I've been evolving um, since then uh, that may hopefully make their way into a second book, if I do one, um, cool. are about themes and schemes, but looking at them, um, almost categorizing them in, in three different ways, uh, which at the moment, and you guys can tell me if the, the words sound odd or if there are alternatives that I could use, but there's uh, obvious, adjacent, and fringe are kind of the three approaches that I'm thinking of. And this is in relation to sort of the theme of the army, not the colors necessarily, right? Uh, you, you could split it across both. Uh, yeah, they, they're not... Uh, so you could have... Um, yeah, so you can have a theme where, uh, for example, uh, let's go with, like, as we we're saying, with uh, Imperial Fists and Breaches and um, Mark III Marines. Uh, you want to go for something that's going to form a solid defensive wall. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a very obvious theme to choose for Imperial Fists. Mm -hmm. They're all about building that for those fortifications. Yeah, um, that's your that's an obvious theme, and then painting them in yellow, lots of yellow with a bit of black, is going to be an obvious color scheme. Right. Um, so you could then take a like an adjacent color scheme, uh, which might be okay. You've created a, a character that's going to a praetor that's going to lead your army and he has a particular um, personal heraldry which might be in black and white mm -hmm. or um, it might be black and red uh, and then it's how you then move those colors through the rest of the force um, and obviously when we talk about the imperial fist and we talk about uh, you can look at like Sigismund and his color the Templar brethren yeah, mm -hmm. his personal hero is black and white, so uh, the Black Templars, who um, sort of came over, were led by Sigismund after, after the heresy, black and white. So that's kind of an adjacent thing. It's that they still look like um, Imperial Fists on the, on the table. Mm -hmm. um, and you could probably take that further. I haven't thought about what a, a fringe scheme might be for um, for Imperial Fists, but uh, you can... I, mean, I, th I think there's some easy choices there, right? Because I, I think you could, you could... One of the cool things about Heresy is that um, yeah, the Space Marine Legions have their, their core core themes and colors yep. um, like we're talking about, right? Like Imperial Fists are yellow. But if you look through the Heresy fiction and background material... Lots of what become the successor chapters are already seated there, right? Like there's the Nova Marines; they're kind of seated among the the Ultramarine stuff, right? The guys with the the black, the uh, blue and white um, quartet scheme, uh, quartet scheme yeah. right? Um, and you know that we should talk about the Templar Brethren. But you know, if you wanted to, you could have an Imperial Fist chapter, um, you know, during that's that's in the Heresy and is thematically appropriate. That maybe is kind of the beginning of the Crimson Fists, right? right? One of those first successors. You could maybe introduce that blue and red. Um, so I think there's there's ways you could do that for you. It goes pretty well places. And I think and if you're deep on the lore, somebody who plays Heresy and sees a, a 30k Imperial Fist army that has a weirdly a lot of blue and red hands or something's gonna go. Oh, that's a cool nod, right? Because it's it's yeah. where things are going. Yeah, you can um and so that that's I sort of took us along the the scheme there for a moment, but you could also do things like um like a 
fringe theme for an Imperial Fist Army would be uh, bikes and speeders and uh, jump troops that are to form like the hammer to smash, like come around from behind yeah. the enemy and smash them against the, the fortification, drive them forward kind of thing. Um, it's not something you'd expect. It's not obvious. So it fits into that sort of, it's out there in that fringe category. And then when you start, so yeah, then you could have, you could still have those with an obvious color scheme, fringe theme, um, or you could, any sort of mix of that. Yeah. You're, um, you got a lot of cool, fun, crazy things going on. But that's one of the cool things about Heresy is that, you know, the Space Marine Legions were so huge, right? That whatever we think of as the way the Space Marine, that, you know, one particular Legion fights, maybe that represents 40, 50% of it. Even worth sixty percent of it, that still means there's ten thousand guys, you know, in the Night Lords who don't have jump packs and chain swords. They have tanks. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, uh, the other in the fringe element could also be used for um, auxiliaries that are attached to the Legion, as well. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, because not everybody in the Legion is a Space Marine. I mean, I mean, everyone. Sorry, everyone in the Legion is a Space Marine. Not everybody attached to it's a Space Marine. You have like auxiliary units and. Thralls and tech priests and stuff like that are, are part of the Legion, but not because they're not Space Marines, right? They're not uh, Stardates. So, yeah. Um, and that's how a fringe element can be used to apply for that. So, yep. I wouldn't do that to Imperial Beastmen. It's not a good idea. <laughs> I, they might be like, I see you're all bright yellow. Um, I don't know if that's such a good idea there. And no. You could also do it with, you know, with mixed forces of, of Marines, right? Like, one of the things I thought was really cool in the Siege of Chthonia source book or campaign book was the um, Loyalist Defenders have a small contingent of loyalist uh, thousand sons with them right yes i'm like who thinks about that but there, there's this there's a couple thousand loyalist uh, thousand sons who you know they've been they've been probed and and entrusted with loyalty by by you know the sigilite and they've basically been sent off to go die somewhere inconvenient right like, like nobody wants to hear about them um but that's that's an interesting and kind of juicy but, thing to dig into and i think it's cool you have you know you can have an army of imperial fists and a few squads of of thousand sons psychers who were there trying to make penance for you know the, the wrong that their the rest of their comp their legion did? But the thousand sons, the thousand sons, for instance, probably wouldn't look like thousand sons completely because they're just going to get shot. So yeah, they, they talk about that even. Yeah, um, they, you know, they would. They, they, yeah, they they have um, their armor is, is red just like a thousand sons, but their their pauldrons, their instead of the legion symbol um, of the main legion, they went back to the original M from uh, before the uh, before Magnus joined the legion. Which was their original uh, designation? That's uh, tactically unsound, but thematically awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like because they're not gonna be like, oh wait, that's an M. Sorry, sorry, that's the that's the that's the thousand thing. Like oh, that was an M. Well, no, no, it means thousand. Well, uh, shoot him anyway. So yeah. like, yeah, but I mean, but but in, in the case of like basically not black shields, but loyalists who've attached themselves to legions, uh, they might actually have some of those legion colors as well. Like a sure. mix, a mix of both, you know, like a, um, that'd be a really interesting fringe unit. So I think the terminology is good. Like, I think the, uh, yeah, yeah, I like it. There's some, um, like some other examples that I've got. I, I think when, uh, you and I were originally talking about this, Simon, um, talking about the other armies that I have, uh, I have a, um, word bearer army that has a bunch of Gal, Gal back. Um, I've got two Maragal dreadnoughts. Uh -huh. It's a fairly obvious kind of list um, that you, I think you'd expect from a um, word bearer's 
army. Sure. And it's it's also a fairly obvious color scheme. Uh, it's the dark red, um, black shoulder pads mm -hmm. um, kind of thing. There's some tweaking a little bit. I've got like the on the like the Mark Six and the Mark Four helmets. The little beaky part is is black um, rather than red, but the rest of the helmet is red. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's fairly it's close. So you, when you look at it on the table, you go, "Oh, word bearers." Yeah, classic word bearers. Classic word bearers. Uh, look at that. Can't trust those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I've got a uh, Death Guard army who are loyalists. So they're. I don't have any of the um, sort of the chem focused units. Like there's no Grave Wardens in there. Uh -huh. um, are, they, are they more like Dusk Raiders? Um. No, they, they're basically uh, Death Guard that didn't turn. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, like, the color scheme and stuff. So. Oh, color scheme-wise, they're... Um, yeah, rather than going with that... Uh, you know, most of the... Um, I think the Forge World stuff, and, and it's sort of flowed from there, is that sort of cream-colored armor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, mine's much more of a, a cooler um, gray kind of base, but it's still... Yeah. It would still be white, uh, green shoulder pads... Um, that kind of thing. It, it's a fairly, it's a fairly obvious scheme, but the theme is, um, I'm, they they could be really any legion. They don't have any specific Death Guard units um, in there, but I know the Death Guard. Sure. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I think uh, like the the sergeant for my despoiler unit has a, a his right pauldron and right arm are red like the Dusk Raiders. Oh, nice, um, nice. And That's I, think, what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, it's a great yeah. it's, it's it's something where I could add like take some of these um, Mark threes, the new Mark threes, and add them in, but maybe paint them, make it look like they've, they've paint quickly painted the the gray back over, like the original gray of the Dusk Raider yeah. back over their older white scheme, which would have been over their older gray scheme kind of thing. Nice. Um, so that yeah, they're, they're saying look, yeah, we don't we don't want to have anything to do with those. We're dust raiders again, okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, the other thing I include in that is because they have uh, a Death Guard army at a certain point would have had Terrans and Barbarans in there. The my Terrans are well, all of my guys that don't have helmets on have got that. Uh, they've got a bit more of a rosy complexion compared to any of my any barbarans that would have been in my army that would have a very sort of gray sickly yeah kind of look that's a great note so you can do that kind of um thing when you're putting your schemes together your color scheme um thinking about a bit about a bit more about the law um but then one of the armies that i've been working on i'm still kind of in the middle of it is a um shattered legions army where i have um uh, Iron Hands, I've got Raven Guard, and I've got Salamanders. Yeah. Uh, but the the twist that makes it that sort of fringe is that they're actually all Alpha Legion. So it's using the Alpha Legion list, um, the Alpha Legion rules, all that sort of thing, but they're all painted like Iron Hands or Raven yeah. Guard. Um, with a little bit of like turquoise, teal kind of thing thrown in there. So where I'd probably normally use some silver chipping on my Iron Hands if I was going to do an, an Iron Hands army. 
with these I've used the that teal chipping, so it looks like that's cool. There's just small little hints of it here and there. Have uh, you read the um, the inductii rules in Siege of Chthonia for Alpha Legion? I haven't. Oh, I haven't looked specifically at those. So the 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 inductia, you know, they're they're the hastily inducted space marines, like late in the heresy, right, where they're just filling the ranks with dudes who you know aren't really they're 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 barely space marines in some cases. They're not um, ready, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but every legion gets its own set of rules for them, which are quite cool and thematic. Okay. Um, like the night lords guys, you know, one of their things is they'll they'll stab each other sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the alpha legion, their thing is that their inductii are. Um, they're generally painted in the colors of other legions, but very crudely. Oh, okay. And the, the, the game mechanic benefit is that the, your opponent can't shoot at them in the first round of the game. Okay. Because they, they you know, they show up direct painted in, you know, the wrong colors. Um, you know, it, it won't, it won't bear any like close inspection, but long enough to like throw off your, your enemy. Right. right. So I, that really speaks to that army you're talking about. I want to have a look at that. I think it'd be pretty yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, one of the things, um, so um, folks might know, they might not know, but one of the, the army special rules for Alpha Legion is that they can take one unit from any other legion mm-hmm. uh, sort of incorporated in their army. So you, you could choose, for, for this army, I've got a whole bunch of breaches in the Iron Hands, uh, and I could take a, a unit of those and make them the uh, Immortals, the Iron Hands Immortals. Uh, or uh, I could go with the one of the recon squads I have and use those as a, a unit of um, Raven Guard Mordathan. Um, uh-huh. Which is probably what I'll do most of the time uh, is use those guys. Uh, there's also a um, Warlord trait in there that uh, allow. it's called the uh, Mobius configuration. Yeah, that's fun stuff. Yeah, it's definitely super cool. Uh, but it allows you to take another detachment in your army from any other legion. So the idea, uh, oh, and, and with that detachment, um, you can't use reactions on that detachment, uh, but your opponent scores no victory points. Like, can't score any victory points from that, uh, any right. in that detachment. And also, if at the end of the game, that detachment is wiped out, you get a victory point. Right. Um, so that my salamanders are actually going to be salamanders in salamander colors as part of that detachment so in the army this sounds super convoluted but in the army the salamanders think that the raven guard are raven guard and the iron hands are iron hands but the iron hands and raven guard are both alpha legion and they know that they're not <laughs> and raven guard. That's, yeah. still alpha legion. <laughs> that's great and uh so the all of my um Salamanders are going to have uh, flame weapons, which is that wonderful excuse like, okay, you need to get up front and start burning them before we get there. Uh, so they'll be at the front front lines, right. uh, causing havoc. So my opponent will have to deal with them first and uh, possibly awesome. score me some uh, some victory points. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love it. In the way. So it's an Alpha Legion army that doesn't doesn't work like an obvious Alpha Legion army, uh-huh. as far as the, the theme goes, uh, and it certainly doesn't look like an obvious Alpha Legion army. Well, so if it's that fringe on both, yeah, ends. Obvious Alpha Legion army is not obvious. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the cool. that's the trouble though, isn't it? When you, when you look at those wonderful, um, like the Leonian 
Terminators. Terminators, yeah. Mm-hmm. The models look fantastic. And you're like, but that just screams like, hey, I'm an Alpha Legion, which is not what you do if you're Alpha Legion. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff doesn't really uh, yeah. make sense. But I, so. I guess it goes back to that the thing you were saying where it's the... Um, there's 50 or 60% of the army, like the Legion that works the way that you think it does. Mm-hmm. And there's 40% that doesn't. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just, you know, I, I just read Praetorian of Dorm, which is a lot of Alpha Legion action in it, and I felt like the, the author, um, he really took pains just to remind people that, like, yeah, the Alpha Legion does sneaky stuff and sabotage and assassination, but at the end of the day, they're mostly guys with vultures who murder dudes. Sure. Like, like he basically <laughs> says that, right? He, like, there's a scene with, like, Lorne and Terminators, and, you know, it's like, you know, they, they still... They still like that overwhelming display of power here and there, and that's what it's for. So, like, you know, the sneaky stuff the Alpha Legion is known for, um, you know, it's, it's not how the average guy in the, the Legion operates. Right. Yeah. No, that's... It's just the it's just the the sexy, interesting part, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the you know, sure the the Ravengar have all kinds of jump packs. Well, <laughs> that's less true after the before the uh, the Dropside Massacre. Yeah, they all had there were lots of guys with jump packs up, but they also had a bunch of guys who just drove around in tanks. And you know, did artillery barrages, right? Because that's what yep. the Legion had to do. So they, they got their they got their specialties, but they're also just big armies. Ultimately, uh, ultimately, yeah. And and that's the th- it, what you're saying reminds me of. I recently saw a video where this young YouTuber uh, goes over Rogue Trader, right? And he's like, "Can you believe that Space Marines were just psychopaths back then?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Back then, uh, yeah, like y- y- they're they're rampaging war criminals. That's what they do." Like, yeah, that's, the job. that's what they get paid for. That's a, like they don't even get paid; they're just happy to do it. You you, you apply that meme of the uh, the monkey puppet sort of looking back and forth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He's like, they're just techno barbarians. I'm like, hey, uh-huh. now now they're just murder monks. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's that's why we love them, though. Nope. Yeah, because, some good um, PR. Yeah, I, I think there are lots oh, of. Right. I was going to say, I, I think there there are just lots of lots of different things that you can do. Take a look at the the themes, the the main themes that are being presented for the legions that you like, and then look at things that are just next to that, just adjacent or adjacent. Yeah, grab, grab yeah, something and, and run with it. It's and like, the benefit of it's going to make you make the army feel like it's yours, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's a, I always go back to uh, I think one of the the GW podcasts that they were doing before um, before COVID uh, when they were talking about Warcry and the way that the the, um, the theming of the the warbands in Warcry and I think uh, Wade Price was talking about like corn or anything about um, corn the, the blood god you got blood you got brass and skulls. And it's like, okay, well, what if you just took one of those things and and ran with that? And yeah. the Iron Golems in there are essentially that, that brass, that metal. Everything right. in there is metal. They don't know that they worship corn, but that's, that's who they're worshiping, right? But it's not a... Um, there's not a big thing about skulls. There's not a big thing about blood. It's that, that metal mm-hmm. angle that they're doing. Um, there's the... Always. Hounds of Karnak. Well, again, they, they're not, not a lot of stuff about skulls. There's not a lot of stuff about blood, but it's the, the um, flesh hounds kind of thing that they worship. 
it's that aspect that they're just taking one aspect and pushing it further. Yeah. Sort of um, the envelope with it. I always like the idea that the a lot of chaos doesn't know they worship chaos. Right. Yep. You know, like old Warhammer fantasy Norskins, they they didn't right. know until they became like these ravening hordes. Didn't like that decision, but like, um, but the but originally they were just like you know, Viking people. They were Norse people that lived. They were Norskins, and some of them were like wild and crazy and had like you know skulls and bones. But, you know, they still were all, like, many of them were chaos worshippers. There was also a really good novel, I think it was called Pawns of Chaos, that, had a, that was uh, about that. So, no, okay. they didn't know that they were worshippers of chaos. Right. Until the Imperium yeah. showed up. And then, right. right. <laughs> then they found no, it's, always, it's always interesting stuff, right? Because, I mean, you know, in, in the Heresy, for example, you know, the word bearers, you know, become the most overtly corn-worshipping bunch of psychopaths in, you know, the entire universe. World eaters. You know, well, world eaters, rather. You know, they're... um. You know, they start out, you know, they're they're obviously on that track, but they don't know it themselves. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's a really interesting place to explore thematically, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's not like they, you know, like it, 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 it. I mean, I know it's a game and it's ridiculous and it's all based on satire originally, but or or fueled by satire. But like, it, it, you got to have some kind of verisimilitude where like. You know, people just don't go i mean some people sure be like i just want to go out and collect skulls like i just want to go out and murder people there are those people out there that are like that but most people it's more insidious and they change and they don't know yeah. and they don't they don't they, 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 they just like it's just a better way to make money or it's a better way to do this or you know and before you know it you've got a chain axe and you're killing people and you're like oh right i didn't know that it's just thursday but yeah so um but i mean that's more for like role playing i mean like that's <laughs> You know, it, yeah, it, that, yeah. that, that, that comes into your into how you approach building your army and painting mm -hmm. your army and stuff, right? Because you know, when I I decided I was going to do Sons of Horus last summer, um, you know, I, I have a pretty classic looking Sons of Horus army. They're mostly green uh, with a little bit of black, um, a little bit of brass and gold in there, right? Um, and you know, I, I get splashes of color with the red eyes of Horus here and there. Um, so it's it's not you know um, aesthetically a very divergent looking. It's, it's a pretty standard looking Sons of Horus army. I don't even go heavy on the Jostarian stuff. I'm actually, I'm like the only guy who plays Sons of Horus who doesn't, who doesn't really care about the Jostarian. Right. Um, <laughs> I'll probably add some at some point, but they're not, they're not what excites me about the Sons of Horus really. Um, yeah. but you know, I was looking to how, how I would add my own take on the, this sort of classic Sons of Horus. And I, I decided my, my Praetor is, it's the 86th company of the Sons of Horus. Um, they're now an all Chthonian company. They didn't used to be, but you know, uh, over the, you know, they, their their Terrans had a suspiciously high uh, attrition rate even before the drop site, or even before the uh, the betrayal at uh, Istvan. Um, at which point they just, you know, were like, "We're oh, get rid of these guys." Um, you know, they're they're led by a, my Praetor is a guy I've named Tibor Ferenz, which is a reference to Necroscope because I, I don't I don't really know why. Oh, um, Brian Lumley, yeah, he's yeah. like, <laughs> you got Do you have like a Titus Crow in there, please, please? No, not yet. I've only I've only named okay. one character, but. Um, uh, but you know, and it, it let me kind of build. It. These these guys were very they're they're very um, centered around the the Chthonian, um gangs, right? Like they're they're yeah. basically a bunch of thugs who have been turned into soldiers. And you know, even before the Horus Heresy, they were already kind of reverting to type. Like, you know, they were they were never very pleasant people. And you know, now that the Heresies happened, my idea is that you know they're they're loyal to Horus and the 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 cause, so as it speaks. But they don't really care about it. They're really just in it for themselves, mm -hmm. um, and you know my, my my little bit of fiction I've written. I wrote a couple hundred page, uh, a couple hundred words of fiction around them, and you know where I see them going with the heresy. I think they're probably at the siege of Terra, um, 
and you know, as soon as they find out that Horus is dead, they're just like, we're out, and they go off and become a bunch of pirates, right? I don't, I don't, I, they, I, they, I don't know if they survived to the forty-first millennium, right? But they, uh, they, they, they aren't really interested in chaos. They're just a bunch of self-involved psychopaths, um, and that kind of gave me like some ways. To, yeah, they're, but they're not, they're not as like dedicated to like murder as the Night Lords, right? Like they're just like, <laughs> I, I see these guys setting themselves up as like, you know the rulers of a couple solar systems because they think it's fun, right? They like they like people, you know... Hey, um, in, in defense of the Night Lords, just because you binge cocaine every night doesn't mean yeah. that you worship cocaine, okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, you know, I think they probably... They, they probably they become chaos worshippers out of convenience, but probably, probably in the chaos undivided manner, right? Like, oh, you know, I think probably they don't hang around and hang out, you know, after the heresy and the scouring and everything... They're not joining up with the Black Legion because they probably think of those guys as kind of losers, right? Like, why are you guys still doing this? I I do like the Red Corsairish angle there. That's not quite Red Corsairish, but I really dig it. Like that's yeah. that's a really cool backstory. But yeah, so I mean, you know, it was a way for me to have a kind of generic Sons of Horus army that still let me put my own take on things. And you know, so it meant I put a lot of the gang decal, uh, the gang symbols and stuff on their decals and their armor and tanks and stuff. Um, you know, I've got the chieftain squad that I kit bashed for my retinue. Um, and that's kind of the, 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 the gentle divergence from the core Sons of Horus thing. And I was very gratified because it turned out the Siege of Chthonia was all about uh, Chthonian gangs retaking the, the planet. Uh, so my guys will work pretty nicely for that, too. But that was, that was just um, you know, uh, a nice piece of synchronicity for me. But uh, that, was, that was my take on doing a sort of slightly divergent, but basically mainly thematic army, if that makes sense. I love it. It's, it's probably too late now, but man, like you pick up some Necromunda bits... Your oh, I mean, I'm going to keep expanding this army for a good long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Get some Necromunda stuff in there. Just because, like, the Chthonian gangs remind me a bit of, like, Necromunda gangs. Like, Oh, yeah. And that's, like, I remember when Hive Gangers came out, and they were, like, uh, I don't think I'd ever seen the term ganger on, like, a miniature before. When they, this is, like, we're talking, like, the late 80s. Um, I was, like, I must have these. Um, it's cool. Like, that's, that's, like, yeah, it's cool, man. I really like that. Thanks, man. Yep. Definitely awesome. But uh, yeah, so I think that's that's kind of the way that I think about my armies now when I'm building a sort of a plan for them. It's, right I like how you think, Dave. Um, I was going to say your your book, uh, Armies, Legions, and Hordes. Yep. Um, I see it for sale here, uh, Warlord. But are there is that the only place it can be found, or can they get it directly from you, or is it? Uh... Uh, I think um, at the moment it's it, it's a I printed it, well, published it, I guess, it, actually, I think it released, like, February 2019. Mm -hmm. So, what's that, four and a half years? I think we're coming pretty close to the end of the uh, the print run. Mm -hmm. um, so now I have to uh, go and plan to get some more printed. But uh, Warlord definitely have stock. Uh, I think um, Ironheart Artisans. Yeah, I was going to say. Yep. Uh, so Alex, here in the U.S., uh, has stock. Um think at bridge though we're out which means that probably through alliance we're out uh, alliance game distributors were out as well um for that i'm still going to talk about all the other <laughs> other books that i do but uh that particular one which is kind of why i'm thinking about doing a, a second volume as well um but focusing on this themes and schemes idea and um sort of expanding that and uh giving a whole bunch of examples um, oh nice like um any any Canadian outlets selling it? Uh, ooh, actually, um, 
Crucible Crush. So I think the have, one of the main game distributors up here is Universal. That's who I went through. So yeah, no, I don't. Um, I don't have it with Universal, unfortunately. But just let me uh, let me check. Crucible. We'll, we'll get some links and put them in the show notes. So Dave, you can send them to me later, and we'll uh, yeah, sure yeah. They're, they're listed there. Yeah, I'm listening. Check the show notes and uh, go get yourself a copy. Yeah, I'm gonna get myself a copy. That's uh, that, that looks really great. Um, I don't even know how I never knew about this, Dave. Like, it's. It's okay. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, that's true. that's true. We are in we are in that golden age of uh, just so much uh, amazing stuff. Oh yeah, sure. So I don't want to keep Dave up too late past his bedtime because yeah, it is coming course. up on uh, very late midnight on the East Coast. Oh my god, it is nine p.m. here in the Pacific. <laughs> um, so I have a lot more to say about all that, but why don't we kind of wrap it up and we'll yeah. move into our couple. We'll take a couple, maybe maybe two mail calls. You'll give one, I'll give one, and uh, we'll kind of wrap it up from there. Yeah, then, I, uh, I, I like that idea. Unless there, and also if Dave has anything, um, yeah, that he want, like Dave, that you want to uh, promote, like like tell us about that you're uh, releasing, working on, etc. Or you got in the hopper would be cool. I mean, it's up to you. Um, no, it's cool. I think um, just coming out and talking about uh, Horus Heresy Toy Soldiers is uh, is joy nice. enough. <laughs> yeah, come back anytime, man. But let's uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, all right, so I'm going to give the, the first uh, mail call, which is actually one of your friends, Steve. It's going to be Sohail. Am I saying that right? Yeah, so Sohail, or Sohail, yeah. Okay, so Sohail uh, asked, uh, what is some advice given in older white dwarves that you miss or believe could benefit the hobby as a whole? Let's start with uh, let's start with Dave, since uh, Dave knows a thing or two about White Dwarf Magazine. Uh, I yeah. do. I, I worked on quite a number of them. Um, but I think, the uh, for me, the biggest thing uh, that has been missing for quite a while is the um, the non I guess the non corporate content? Um, mm -hmm. So the the content from fans, the people who've done cool conversions or had a great idea for. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's that stuff is still in there, but it's in a very um, sort of sanitized way. So uh, I liked it when when it was. Somebody could do something completely wild, and present that it could be presented in White Dwarf as a as a cool idea uh, that folks could look at and go, "That looks great." Not for me, or they could look at it and go, "That's awesome. I love this particular piece of it. I'm going to go and run with the project that's got that." So, yeah, I think uh, over the years we're able to showcase a lot of different um, cool ideas. Uh, that I think some of that's kind of a little bit lacking now. Hmm. I would love to see more of that. Fair. How about you, Steve? What's that? Oh, about the... about. Uh, what is some advice in older white dwarves that you uh, miss or believe could benefit the hobby as a whole? Well, I've been reading, I've been reading magazines since 1986. Um, let's see. Um, I do get to see the new white dwarves that my son picks up. Um, they're... I, in, 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 I have to preface it by saying, like, in the 90s, I could see where it was going. It's kind of a house organ, which wasn't bad. I liked all the Warhammer stuff. Um, but so I'm not going to say, like, it needs more Dungeons and Dragons stuff in it. Um, <laughs> but, like, to like, date myself there. Um, but, like, it. it I guess I guess it's I, I agree with what Dave was saying. Like like more scratch built, like kit bashing would be cool. Like everyone knows about the deodorant land speeder um that like yeah just to say you know um it's 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 famous like road trader era 
I think it was Lance Peter. And then oh yeah, yeah. And and and, and also, um, it, it it seems really corporatized and sound. It's like too slick. Like yeah. it's 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 no shade thrown at the people that work on it. I, it's it's hard work. I do copywriting editing, and I understand like they have a mandate, and what they do is very good. It is very very good. I just miss the wilder days. Like there, it lacks that uh, personality, I guess, that it used to have. And that's just could be an old man, a nearly fifty year old man, like talking about this. But, um, but like yeah, so. It, 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 there's not much fan it's just basically just promoting the new product it's essentially an ordering catalog that's well written um, and uh, I don't know I don't I don't, I don't you know, maybe that's just I'm, I'm too much of an industrial punk guy to, oh too goth for my own good but like <laughs> you know like I I, I, I I just don't I don't I don't I don't I don't want to buy it and I don't want to spend 20 bucks on a magazine that I'm not gonna get anything. I think I got the one that had the uh, the Zoat stuff in it, like because I got that Blackstone Fortress Zoat, which I still need to put together and paint. Um, but like, yeah, in more, and also I would like to see more. Like, uh, remember, like you got that jousting game that came out. Yep. Was it was full it called full, full Tilt? Yeah, Full Tilt. I actually played it at a. They played it at an event in Nottingham. At, uh, was it Brian Ansel's get together? Bring out your lid. Bring out your lid. Thank you. Um, and you know, like seeing full tilt, like I was like watching like Louise's videos, like, oh my God, like stuff like that, like little mini games. Like I wish they could do that. Like, well, in their defense, they do a lot of mini games still. Like they had a, they had a pretty oh, cool, okay. um, Gandalf versus, um, Saruman mini game with like, they came with a printout map to play it on, uh, last December. Well, that's cool. But that's Lord of the Rings, man. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> no, but that's they, really cool, actually. So they've done a, they they do a fair amount, and you know, in, in uh, full disclosure, Lyle Lowry, the, the editor in chief of White Dwarf these days, is a good friend of mine. He and I work together at Privateer Press, and he's a good buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I like a lot of what they're doing with White Dwarf these days. And I think the, the the free cutout handouts for like quick references for forty k has all been very cool. Um, but yeah, I do have a lot of the same criticism, but there's nothing to do with Lyle. It's just you know, it's it's a, it is a house organ, as you said. Oh yeah, um, so I agree. But I think they are doing quite a good amount of um, of mini games and that kind of content as they can. Yeah, I, I haven't read an issue in a while, but I mean, I got one over here, and it's it's really well. Laid. Like nothing, like I said, nothing against the team. Lyle and the company are doing a fucking amazing job. Like it looks great. So my my sons love it. Like they they yeah. really love reading my door. Um, so but like then I I'll take that back. So if they're doing that, great. So. Yeah, um, I do. I also kind of wish they. I mean, I understand they can't because of space and it's a print magazine and so much is covered online. But I always wish that they could uh, cover more of the role playing game stuff. But yeah, I would like to see that too. Although I guess it's not their company, so probably it gets the uh, the axe at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's unfortunate because a lot of people don't even know there's like new 40k role playing games. And yeah, or new fantasy battle, uh-huh. or fantasy role playing, right? Or a fourth edition. Yeah, Cubicle Cubicle seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they, it's great. I really yeah, like really good. Okay. I'm thinking about actually running Enemy Within this fall. It actually, um, one of the people on it, like, actually loved, like, uh, I said something, they're like, we should make that a capsule review. I, I did a post where I was talking about, like, it's so awesome, it makes me almost not want to play first edition. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Almost. But, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, no, it's 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 really good. Um, so, I guess, yeah, that's that's pretty much, I don't know. Not as slick, I guess. A little rough around sure. would be kind of cool. I, love, I miss that aspect of Warhammer. Yeah, I mean, I, I have largely the same criticisms, um, so I'm going to 
refrain from rephrasing them because you guys have basically said everything I was going to say. Um, the only thing I actually was going to mention, which I've decided I'm going to sit on because I think it might be a bigger conversation, um, was a very old, not very old, mid-90s uh, White Dwarf article uh, called Stillmania from Nigel Stillman, if you guys remember that. Yes. Yes. And Stillmania was uh, uh, sort of a little a little manifesto on how to build a 2,000-point wargaming army and what to do with it. And um, I, you know, I, I actually, I only re-encountered it for the first time maybe three or four years ago, and I realized it had sort of informed my, my journey as a wargamer the whole time, even though I had been <laughs> thinking about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a rule set, um, you know, and, and it's, it's very, um, very narrowly defined of, you know, his, his suggestion of how you might build a small army, or actually, was, at, that, at that point, it was a big army. It was 2,000 um, points, yeah. 2,000 points back then, which I guess was, it's still the average size player, uh, play for uh, Fantasy Battle or 40k, although I think a 2,000 point army these days is much bigger than it was back in those days, um, as far as model count. Um, but there was this, this great graphic they put in White Dwarf, um, about kind of playing in the spirit of the game, and, and you know, hit part of his suggestion was you just build this 2,000 point army and you never add anything to it ever again, um, which is not necessarily how I approach things, but I think that there's a lot of other really good stuff in there about, like, um, you know, give every character a regiment a name, uh, you know, uh, what you see in the army is what you get, you know, take it literally, you know, if a guy has a sword, he has a sword, don't, you know, don't, but there's some good, there's some good gamesmanship stuff in there, like, you know, always give your opponent the benefit of the doubt, right? Yep. Um, stuff like that, so I, that, that was the kind of thematic thing that I feel like you don't necessarily see in White Dwarf, but I, I, I love Stillmania, and it's something I'd like to see updated for, for you know, the 2020s, because, you know, it has been the better part of uh, 30 years since that came out, and, you know, the, the, the way we approach gaming stuff has changed, but I think, I think the heart of it has some real um, real wisdom in it. But yeah. uh, I think probably getting into that is going to be a bigger conversation than I necessarily want to have in Mail Call, so uh, oh, absolutely. I'm save it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, saw a YouTube video recently that was covering Stillmania. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's good to see it still out there. Yeah, no, Nigel Stillman was uh, he's he's he left a, a real mark on on war gaming. Mm -hmm. um, so okay, and uh, let's take one more mail call question. Which one did you want to take, Steve? Um, I I think this one from uh, Justin Cottom um, is a really good one. Is I think okay. I'm it correctly, Cottom Justin? Cotton, yeah, Justin. Uh, thanks for this great question. Um, how do you guys balance having a competitive list while still keeping it fluffy and thematic? Do you favor one over the other? I think I know what we're all going to answer here, but <laughs> you might Dave, you want to take that? Yeah. Hmm? You want to take that first, Dave? Okay, sure. Uh, I, I think you might guys might be expecting me to say that I always go with a, like a fluffy and thematic list. Mm -hmm. Um, I start at that point, and then uh, so I, I look at the models that are available. Uh, I look at the, the units that are available, and I look at like what's what do I think's cool. Um, then I then I'll have a look at the rules to see if they work the way that I think they look like they should work. Sure. Uh, and then I will actually go and sort of wander and have a look at different uh, different sites where people are, talk, are talking about the list in a more competitive way um, to see if the way I've interpreted the, the units is actually the yeah. way I've interpreted them. Um, and occasionally I'll make some tweaks, I'll, I'll add in another unit or um, change the way I was thinking of using what I had on the, on the tabletop. Uh, so the list itself might not change as much, but 
I'll get a, a better idea of how to use it in a more, um, I guess, competitive way. Yeah. So um, I started that thematic and I moved towards the competitive, but I never actually end up giving up the theme to be completely competitive. Yeah, you know, I think I take a very similar approach. Um, although when I'm doing that research, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll build my list, see if I think I know how it works, and then maybe look up some articles and people have written about how they actually use these things just like you do. Although I don't know that I think about it as taking a competitive aspect as so much as being like, am I competent to play this army and make sure I'm going to have a good experience both for myself and my opponent? Sure. Right, because I think, I think part of part of the, the gentleman's agreement or general person's agreement we all have when we come to a wargaming table, um, part of it is knowing your own army, and it's not just so that you're going to win, it's so that you don't hassle your opponent, right? Sure. Um, so that the experience yeah. can be like smooth and free-flowing. Right, and I, you know, I think part of the responsibility is not having your opponent have to look up your own rules to make sure that you're not inadvertently cheating. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Like, I mean, you know, I think we've all been in that situation where, you know, we played a game with a great friend or whatever and they inadvertently but still wildly um uh misunderstood a rule in their own favor that maybe created a situation where you know there could be bad feelings right and you know i think we, we've all we've all been in that situation on one side or the other of it and you know i think we've all been made up you know made up afterwards right but like it can be a pretty frustrating situation in the middle of it and i think i think there's a responsibility to that we bring to the table and that knowing basically how our stuff works and, you know wargaming is big and complex and everybody's going to make mistakes and that's 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 part of the gentleman's agreement too, right? But um, I guess I don't think of that as competitive so much as just you know doing my homework. Sure. Um, yeah. But I, I agree. It, it is it is a mildly competitive aspect to it. You know, um, I generally don't play lists that are you know I think are going to do badly. Um, yeah. You do. I also just don't I don't concern making myself making a list that's going to do particularly well if that makes sense. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You don't you don't want to step up and uh, with something that you know is going to lose, right? Unless that's the point of the scenario, right? Like there are okay. there are times where I have made lists like that, but that was because my friend and I were going to play a game where you know it was asymmetrical for whatever reason. Sure, yeah, and in that situation where it's like, okay, you you are going to die before the sixth turn, everyone's going to be wiped out, but it's a matter of how many guys you can get to that fifth turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or can I, I meet some objective in the meantime, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I. Uh... So yeah, I think that's my answer. How about you, Steve? Well, I, I, what you're talking about, I recently experienced that with my youngest son, uh, Vance. Uh, we misunderstood the rules about warp flamers, or rather, I trusted my 17-year-old's judgment, um, <laughs> and he wiped out my dark, my dark Eldar like completely. They, apparently, not every thousand son can have a warp flamer. All of his did. So, um, yeah. So, like, but I, it was fun. Like, I, I, I basically take your guys' approach. Um, except I really lean into theme when I create my own army. I don't, and, and then I beat it to fit, paint, paint it to match, kind of with with sure. rules. I look, I look like what what can work and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't want to make it. I don't. I, I, have, I have a weird. I'm a weird war gamer. I've been war gaming since I was like a little kid. When my dad introduced me to it and uh, Napoleonics, if you're curious. And so, I, I, I like. I don't. I don't want to win. I just want to play. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I just. I just want to like you know. I don't care if they're they're shitty guys. If I think they're neat, I'm gonna I'm gonna play them. It is nice to win. It is, but it's also more fun. Like my great one of my greatest memories I've had of playing um, 
like it was the cusp of rogue trader in second edition is a gretchen taking out a terminator right because he, he failed right. he failed to save and completely and he took him out with a shotgun and i'm like i still give that my old friend shit for that and it was you know like that was a lot of fun because i just had like nothing but gretchen right like and gretchen's against terminators and space marines is, is lopsided to say the least but it was fun and so i like i, I prefer I'm, am i having fun like we're creating a kind of a fun narrative um but it is fun to do comp- competitive so I, I i will like try to like because sometimes your opponent doesn't just want to steamroll you either because that's just sure no, that's no fun like yeah that was great your bunch of your uh pdf showed up and my thousand sun terminators just annihilated you my cult scarab terminators and like um but it, it is it's it's so definitely i'm definitely more fluff and thematic um very much a fluffer guy and the there's like one person laughing out there listening to this and then um there's one person laughing about it (laughs) (laughs) i've 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 written a lot of stuff like professionally that's uh like like content it's like i I call myself a fluffer because it's fluff right so um and no i'm not going to explain what that is to those who don't know what i'm talking about and um so but yeah a little bit of comp, like go, like what you guys said where you can go in you're like figure, okay what can i do that these guys don't suck too bad or or it's not broken so my opponent isn't frustrated because i've broken the game somehow because i somehow always managed to do that because i'm like would it be cool if they all had vortex grenade launchers not not because i want to wipe out my opponent because i think it's really cool to have all those little templates moving around the board um you know, like, oh, space, uh, you guys remember like when space marine backpacks could blow up? That was like a sort of a house rule, kind of covered in white dwarf and a white dwarf where you could detonate a space marine backpack. It went off like a nuclear bomb. So, like, anybody remember that? Like, I was like, I'm I like, don't, but I believe you. Holy shit, I want to do this I all the time. White dwarf. <laughs> What's that? I think I missed that white dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's from, like, it was like something, it was like in a letters column. Someone was like, I have this rule where like, people are like, oh, that's really cool. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to employ that. And yeah. So like, you know, it's, or zotes with like suicide zotes. I've had that zotes with uh, penal battalion zotes with uh, explosive harnesses, vortex, explosive harnesses. <laughs> but, like, cause I just really, I mean, I had a friend that was like, oh my God, you just want vortex templates everywhere. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Cause it wipes my army out, it wipes your army out. And my quizzers also got five Jokero digital weapons that are all netters. I don't know why, <laughs> why not? But like, so you can be goofy about it, but like, also keep your opponent in mind they might not think it's funny or cool it's fun with friends but if you go down to like the games workshop uh, our local games workshop is super friendly and everyone's really cool so you can kind of fuck around and have fun but yeah also i've always been wiped out when i go down um but like as long as you're having fun at the end of the day it's like are you having fun that's for me that matters the most that's why i'm into this kind of stuff um it's uh Yeah. yeah So that's that's where I that's where I, I sit on that. So basically, I sit what you guys are saying. A little crazier, but yeah. sure. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that is just about a wrap on episode four, our October two thousand twenty three episode, and officially right. our longest episode to date. So I know. Dave, I know. Sorry, Dave. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out. Let us keep you up way past your bedtime. Oh, that, really appreciate it. Fine. I it's as I said, talking about toy soldiers, I could do it for hours. Nice. Yeah, and uh, you are always welcome to come back and do just that with us. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome back anytime, man. Like, cool, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's definitely cool. I appreciate it. All right, so perhaps, uh, perhaps Legions Imperials will be out by the time our next episode drops, or not. We'll find out. Mm. Uh, you'll have to Maybe join us then. So. World, yeah. 
I think probably before Old World, Steve. I don't know. A man can dream. A man can dream. Actually, I want to see uh, the little guys too. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <Happy> Halloween. Bye. <laughs>